0: Blog Talk
1: Radio. Welcome to Thursday night at the Speakeasy Cafe. We would like to invite you to take the stage for the Sound of Ink Open Mic Poetry Night. Now, let's get started. I want your ink in our ears. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show, the Sound of Ink. It's going to be fun here tonight. We're going to have a good time, hear some poetry, do some chatting. Really excited about this, especially for those of us who are are cloistered into our homes either voluntarily like I am or mandatorily uh, stuck inside the house. And, and, you know, everyone's complaining about this, but I think it's pretty exciting. I'm, I'm staying, I'm in staying in, inside for three weeks straight. Um, have everything set up. I'm, I'm self self uh, uh, self. Uh, <laughs> what's the word I'm thinking I It just totally, totally went away, totally went out of my head, gone. Um, distancing, whatever, and <laughs> social distancing for three weeks inside my house. Um, but yeah, that, you know, it, I see it all over, you know, and I really wasn't going to talk about this much on the show, but it's so, you know, I wanted to keep this right about poetry, but it, was, it really affects us. And so I'm trying to think of some things to do. You know, and what, what the world gives us, it, What we make out of it is all we have more control than we think we do. What we make out of something, you know, we can't control what's handed to us, but we can control how we react to it, okay? So staying inside, not going out, not doing things. I've been trying to, you know, look at this kind of like a gift. It's, It's time that you can get caught up on things and do things and try things and spend some quiet time inside your head and slow down and unplug. And I've been trying to do some things online. Um, that will help you keep busy, motivated, keep inspired during all of this. I just posted a bunch of publications, journals that are accepting submissions right now. Um, there's one Wild Women's Act. They're actually they. Um, their deadlines passed. I didn't notice that when I posted it, but their deadlines passed But it's really cool tulip tree publishing. You might want to check them out. They have all kinds of fun stuff all the time. You can check the themes that they have coming up on future issues. We have some really fun ones. Uh, There's Memoir Mixed Taste is doing submissions, Montana Mouthful. Uh, We have uh, uh, there was one I found on uh, Southern Appalachian Writers Cooperative is doing a a publication anthology thing, so I had to tag Philip Church in that, of course, make sure he knew about that, but you can jump over onto my Facebook page and check out some of these Headway Quarterly's doing one, um, so check out some of these things that I've been doing and putting up there and things you can look at, and now that you have time to sit down and slow down and and uh, do some things, but yeah, check those out. Think about maybe putting in some submission, doing some editing on your work, finding something that will fit into one of those. I'll be posting those throughout the entire next month. So I'm mean, going to do those periodically anyway, but I'm going to do them quite a bit more over the next couple of months, or excuse me, next couple of weeks. And the other thing that I want to mention real quick is, and I'll probably talk to Noreen about this a little bit more. But she has a poetry page, and she posts some really fun things over there uh, for writers, kind of inspiring things, and some very cool links. And then I wanted to – she also has – where did it go? Let's see if I can find that real quick – has some stuff going on, so maybe she'll call in tonight. Uh, If not, I'll post a link to what she has, a, a radio show, a radio station thing she's doing. Uh, I haven't read all the details on it, but we'll we'll read that together. Uh, she has some things coming. So there's a lot of things to keep us busy, a lot of things to keep us inspired. You know, I really urge us to take advantage of this time, not to waste a moment of it. I mean, the world's pulling us apart, you know, drawn and quartered and pulling us in a million different directions all day long. It's kind of nice when we get a chance to just sit back and do nothing. You know, the world can't get at us <laughs> with the door closed, even would the virus. So anyway check out my page for some of those things we have going on. I want to go over a couple of things, some announcements before we get started on the show. I want to give you the number to call in if you would like to call in and read tonight. It is 646-595-3965. That's 646-595-3965. If you'd like to call in and read, some announcements first. If you are interested in putting together a writer's workshop with us, and seeing as how a lot of us have a little bit of extra time, really think about doing this, you guys. You can pre-record these on your computer and send me the MP3 file if you want to be able to edit it and just do it, in the, you know, without all the the nerves. If you get, you know, if you get kind of nervy like that when you're doing things, uh, you want to be able to go back and edit it, then you can do that. Pre-record on your com- uh, computer. Send me the MP3 file. We can do these live if you'd like to do a live show where we have you know, conversation back and forth between you and I and whoever you want on, and then maybe take callers. or We can do a combination of both. I can play an audio track for you first, which could be your recorded workshop. And then once that's over, we can go ahead and open up the lines and talk to people and let them ask questions and, and comment and things like that. So there's a lot of leeway, a lot of options on how you can put that together. These can be anywhere between 30 minutes and three hours long. So, you know, just whatever, however much time you need, let's those on the air. We've got some really fun ones we've done already. We've got some really cool ones coming up. I'm excited about those. I know Philip's talking about doing another one as well. So that'll be cool. Now, I'm going to go through this part because I think this is really important. I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this because it's actually turned into kind of a a scary thing, I think, for me. And you'll understand as I get into this. But first of all, the sponsors of our show, it's really, really important that we thank them because it's it's all of the people that stepped up to the plate last year and helped us cover our 2019 broadcasting license. I mean, we appreciate you guys so much. And we're at the end of that year. So, you know, I just want to get your names out there and, and thank you on you know on behalf of myself but mostly on behalf of the entire community you know everybody here who enjoys this show and is able to share and has an outlet and finds inspiration all that good stuff you know on behalf of all of us uh, we just want to thank you for that and those sponsors were james Wensapian, sean Gullickson, roslyn prentice john case paula sweet gary and noreen snyder mangus khan ronald p bremner Terry Galloway, Melvin Douglas-Johnson, Uma Umapochipalli, Christy Doherty, Julia Vargas, Michael W. Enks, and we want to thank you guys for helping us sponsor and keep our show on the air last year. We are at the point where we need to renew our license. We've only got a couple of days left. We have a fundraiser on my page right now if you would like to be a sponsor of the show, you can jump over onto my Facebook page, which is Nyla, N-Y-L-A dot Alicia, A-L-I-S-I-A, or you can contact me uh, if you'd like, and we could do, some of them were talking about not being comfortable doing it through Facebook, so, you know, if you need a PayPal address or something like that, if you'd like to help sponsor the show, just let me know. I want to thank those who have already contributed uh, for our 2020 broadcasting licenses. So far, we have Debbie Kelly, Eric Shellman, Wes Johnson, Rick Clark, Raymond Bentley, Maureen and Gary Snyder, and Rachel Ward. And I just want to say that there are one, two, three of these so far are listeners. They're not even readers. So three of the sponsors right now that are helping to sponsor the show so far this year our listeners, people who come here every week to hear you read. Not to read, not to share, but to hear you read. I think that's really awesome, cool. So we want to thank them. We are sitting right now. We have to raise at least $1,200 to keep our show on the air. And that's for this year because of some changes that Blog Talk Radio has made. Uh, the, uh, the 1200 will cover a two-hour show. We'll be able to do a two-hour show, um, three-hour overtime if we want. But a two-hour show. If we want to continue doing three-hour shows like we've been doing, then it's like a 150% increase. It's like $2,490 now. Uh, so that's probably not going to happen with everything that's going on. So I'm just I've come to uh, come to terms with the fact that you know. Just being able to stay on the air is going to be great. We have raised so far. Let me pull that up because maybe that's changed in the last couple of minutes. Um, so far, we have raised 295 of our $1,200 goal, and we have just a few days left to try to reach that. And that's the part that's scary for me because, you know, with me not working right now. Uh, Being laid off staying at home and all that stuff. I don't have the money to cover this this year like I normally do And so, you know, we're really depending on the community to help keep us on the air all of us together You know little bits help so, you know, those of you who've already, you know donated what you could Thank you so much. We appreciate you so much. And I know that these are really hard times Um, you know, but every little one, you know, every little tiny dollar helps so those of you who have donated Thank you so much, those of you who would be interested in donating and helping keep us on the air for the next year. Uh, Either shoot me a message and I can give you the information or jump over onto my Facebook page and you'll see the fundraiser I have going on for that. All right, the next thing I want to do is I want to go over your homework and stuff. Now, every week at the beginning of the shows, I give you writing exercises, writing assignments, all kinds of fun things, some prompts. So if you're ever sitting there one night and you're wondering, oh, I don't know what I want to write about tonight, just Go to the first 15 minutes of any of our archive shows and we'll be going through stuff like this and you can be off and running. Okay. So yeah, those are there waiting for you. Get a paper. I'm, I'm stalling so you can get make sure you have your paper and pen <laughs> ready. So go ahead and, and you know grab a, your pen and paper and write these down. As I go through these, if you don't get everything written down, don't panic. You can always come back after the show's over, listen to the archives, and jot down. Anything you have missed. All right, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go over our journal assignment. Now, you have a couple. One of them's for the year, and that was, remember, that's to write a haiku every single day. Every single day, go out and intentionally look for something that's worth 17 syllables, and your year can start right now today. doesn't matter when you hear this. Just, you know, just start. Um, but yeah, look around the world every single day and find something that's worth 17 syllables. In fact, I'm going to do that right now. Um, I'm going to add um, fossil. So I'm sitting here in my office and I've got some fossils that I've collected. They're in my office on the shelf. And so I'm going to write... I'm, I think that that's worth 17 syllables, and I'll post it on my page when I'm done. But today, mine's going to be written about fossils. So just, you know, look around, look around, find find something to write about. At the end of your year, you're going to have 365 haikus. A lot of them are going to be crap. Some of them are going to be good. Some are pretty dang amazing. So pick out this, the, you know, between 35, 60 that you like best. And at the end of that, the year, you have a haiku book ready to be published. So, you know, one little bit at a time. If you commit to doing this, you can have the haiku haiku book out. And if you're doing that, I want you to to let me know. If you miss a day, I don't care. You don't have to do it every single day. If you accidentally forget a day, I don't care. Don't use that as a crutch to quit or as an excuse to stop. Just pick it up the next day and keep going. Stand up, brush the dirt off, and uh, keep writing. Don't sit around like those ones. All right. So your journal assignment for the week is what we're doing is I'm giving you a sentence starter, the beginnings of your ramblings. And at the top of the page, what I want you to do is I want you to write this sentence, all right? The sentence is, sometimes I just want to climb out the window and sometimes I just want to climb out the window and so write that at the top of your page and then just keep going, just keep writing for at least 10 minutes. Anything that comes to mind, I don't care what direction it is. Now, remember, your journal is your private place with your head, your secret place with your muses. This is not for popular consumption. This isn't for anyone to see but you. But it's a way for you to have a tangible dialogue and let your brain run wild, but to have a record and be able to go back and pull from that. So you don't give this a lot of thought. Just write, the, write it. Sometimes I just want to climb out the window and run up the apple tree and see if there's any apples. And I really like apples, so I'm going to just keep going. You get the idea. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Um, You know, Michael Todd used to do this thing called Spirit Wild Chronicles with me. And one time someone, one of the, it was this picture, I'm not going to waste a lot of time on it, but the, one of everyone could ask me, whoever was the person that week could ask me any question they wanted to ask me, and I had to answer it. And one of them asked me what time, what, drive, what drives my muse, you know, what, what's my inspiration, what drives my muses. And I sat down and started writing a reply to that and then just kept going. So depending on if we have time, you know, sometime in the next, you know, today's show maybe, if we have issues with the lines or whatever, or, you know, over the next couple of weeks. I'm always supposed to read one at the beginning of the month, so maybe I'll do it then. But it's a free write. And I've changed very little on it from the very first time that I wrote it. In fact, I don't know if I've changed anything um, besides fixing my spelling. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I'll read it to you. And it's what happens when you just let your head go. Um, And it's fun. So it's really important to do these exercises or the, excuse me, these journal assignments. Now, remember, your journal assignment, I do want those with pen and paper. You know, the rest of these, if you have to do them online and you have to have that backlit screen in front of you, fine. But I am begging you, your journal assignments, I want you to have a spiral notebook or a journal. I want you to feel the slide of your hand across the paper. I want you to feel the drag of the pen, smell the scratch of the ink. Okay, your journal assignments, I want you handwritten, handwritten out. So remember, just at the top of the page, write the line. Sometimes I just want to climb out the window and keep going for 10 minutes. Next thing I'm going to give you is your writing exercise. Now your exercise is different than your assignment. Assignment is, you know, one-on-one intimate time with your brain. Yeah, very relaxed, very home zen and all that good stuff. A writing exercise is meant to push you out of your comfort zones, to make you do something you normally wouldn't do, think in a way you normally wouldn't think, to make you stretch. You know, remember, it's only when we get outside of our are what we're comfortable doing that we actually grow. So these are really important. They're meant to pump up, pump you up. (laughs) So the one for the year that we started out with, I'll remind you of that is just do something every single week. Just you by yourself, stop and do something out of the ordinary that surprises you or something you've never done before or something new, whatever it is once a week. I don't care if it's just for 15 minutes you know, maybe an afternoon, maybe a whole weekend, but do something you normally wouldn't do. Go to a play, go to an opera, go watch a Little League game.
2: You know,
1: Go to the Railroad Museum. I don't know. Find something to do that you haven't normally done. You know, go sit in the park and eat your lunch instead of in the cafeteria, whatever it is. But do something to surprise yourself. Only by having new sources of input into our brain are we going to be able to have better, more and better <laughs> um That sounded awesome. Uh, Output. Okay, so it's important to experience new things. Your writing exercise for the week is, and we are still doing the writing to a scenario, kind of climbing out of our brain for this one. Instead of giving you a prompt where you have a concrete place to start, I'm giving you an idea. All right, now with this, we are kind of steering you away. I want to steer you away from writing poetry. Instead, I want you to write in free form, you know, maybe a story or narrative prose or anything that jumps out of your pen. I don't want you to overthink this, you know, of course you do a little more thinking on this, I think, than you would for a, you know, just normal free writing, but don't overthink this. The whole concept is to get us writing, I don't want you to write the poem though, but the, the whole concept behind this is to get you outside of um, writing in your normal poetic boundaries. You know, you're not just right outside your label. And, and when you do, you'll become a better poet, I promise. You know, when when you... Uh, when you i want you to just kind of like just spit it out on the table and you'll sort it out later and just just get it all written out and then go through it after you've written it all out and all the ideas just spill. And if, you know, mid-sentence of another idea, just keep following it, you know, just keep writing. And then when it's all, all done and over and the smoke settles, you can go through and find tidbits and pick up. One time I wrote a 27-page poem, and you've probably heard me talk about this before. 27 pages, I got an idea, and I, I had 27 pages in a spiral notebook. And when I went through and edited it, I ended up with a 12-line poem. But I would never have been able to write that 12-line poem in that way if I didn't have 27 pages to find the poem in. You know, and it keeps us away from sitting down and, you know, trying to make our brains stay in a structure instead of trying to find that one great idea. You know, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, yeah, right outside your poetic boundaries. So the scenario... That I want you to write about, story or narrative, anything like that. Just not a poem. Try to stay away from the poems. I want you to write about some you or someone finding a secret passage in their house. All right. Write about you or someone finding a secret passageway in their house. And really think about this. This is a good one. I mean, there is an insane number of ways. You could go, or where it is, or what it does, or it's it's a fun this will be a fun one. Write about you or someone finding a secret passageway in their house. who's not thought about that before? <laughs> Someday i'll tell you about the one I had in my bedroom when I was a little kid growing up in a house that was built during prohibition. all right, so yeah, write about someone you or someone finding a secret passageway in your house and Talking about you know the insane number of ways you know take think ways you can push this prompt that kind of segues us perfectly into our next one our next exercise and it's called pick apart a prompt <laughs> pick apart a prompt this one is a prompt that's not intended to ever become a poem and I'm sure someone will find some inspiration in doing this and a poem will develop from it but that isn't the intent all right. What I want you to do is I want you to let's just kind of remind you how to look at the world through a thousand eyes, how to see something in all of its facets. Okay. What I want you to do is I want you to write the prompt at the top of your page, and then just start going down the page and listing all the different thoughts or ideas or directions you could take that prompt, such as Apple. I could write apple pie, applesauce, apple factory, apple orchard, you know, all the different things you can do with that that prompt, all right? What I want you to realize in doing this is it's not as important what you write to a prompt as it really is what you do with a prompt before you write it. That's what's important. There's always those knee-jerk reactions, the easy images our minds create when we see or hear or smell or touch something, you know, those, those instant associations we put with things. You know, those are the obvious. But what I want you to do and what this exercise will help you do is search beyond the obvious and look for the unique or find the unusual, you know, write more powerful imagery so it's meant to push you outside of the normal way that you think the normal the easy things that flow out of your pen when you're sitting there and you're just going writing 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 you know those are those are easy thoughts push yourself beyond those easy thoughts you know by 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 looking deeper inside the prompt itself and not trying to write to it it becomes something altogether different you know there's The more we examine it, the bigger it becomes, the better ideas you will find in it. So, again, write the prompt at the top of the page, and then start to list all the different thoughts and ideas and directions you can take that prompt. Always strive and push yourself to find that. So the pick-apart prompt for this week is paper coffee cup. Paper coffee cup. So think of every angle you could take that. You know, what kind is it? What condition is in? Where is it? Why is it there? What's it doing? What's the significance? How is it, its relationship into other things? Does it stand out, blend in? What's the emotion it makes you feel? And just think about everything that you could write to, every angle you could take that prompt and write them down. You'll have, trust me, you will have so much fun doing this. All right, now our prompts. Now that I've told you to completely stay away from writing poems, I'm going to have you write some poems. Now, prompts, your regular prompts, they are like seeds planted, and they are meant to grow into a poem. With that said, the prompt can either be the title, a line in, or the general concept of your poem. All right, so number your paper one through three. There's three prompts I'm going to be giving you. The first one is The Six Feet Between Us. The Six Feet Between Us. Number two, Armored Inkwell. Armored Inkwell. And number three, Ghostly Keeper. Ghostly Keeper. So once again, number one, The Six Feet Between Us. Number two, Armored Inkwell. And number three, Ghostly Keeper. Those are your three writing prompts for this week. Next and lastly it's That's My Line Borrowed Poetry prompt. Now, every week that you guys come here and read, I'm listening to you and, and we're discussing your poetry. And next week, I could have borrowed a line out of your poem and it'll be our prompt. So tonight's prompt comes from a poem that was read last week. And this one is actually a poem that was written by Philip Church. And the line is, the prompt is, I don't live here anymore. I don't live here anymore. That's a really good one, you guys. can be taken in all kinds of crazy, amazing, weird, where don't you live? Is it metaphorically speaking? Is it literal? Is it, is it why? Yeah, that one's that one really provokes a lot for me. I don't live here anymore. And that's from the poem that Philip Church read last week. So those are your prompts, your exercises, and your assignments. Remember, if you didn't catch everything, you can come back at the end of the show and listen to the archives and write those down. Alrighty? Next, we always start and end every episode with an audio track. So if you are a poet who has recorded your work. And if you're not, shame on you. It's magic. Get a headset for your computer, download a free recording program, and get after it. <laughs> Once you have those in MP3 format, you can email those to me. The word that is in the email title, Cafe at gmail.com. That's Cafe at gmail.com. Make sure you put MP3 file, audio track, something like that in the subject line for me. We'll get those uploaded to the show's library and we will play them for the world. The piece that I have chosen to start the show with tonight is by J. Mitchell, and it's called Little Clay Things. Here you go.
3: Can you love someone you only met in passing? That is the first thing I think when someone asks me if I love myself. The second if you don't know who you are, you will become who others tell you to be. Maybe that is how I became this supernatural shape shifter, this transformer, this clay thing. Why, when you poked my stomach, I shed it. Peeled my skin back from the flesh so you would think me more vibrant. Lifted my cheeks into permanent smile. Clay thing. Only know how to be molded. Open ourselves up to anyone's craftsmanship so that we may bend or be beaten into something more beautiful. And I'll believe that every blow from you is beating me into something more beautiful. And that the pain is only from growing. This clay has never known a gentle hand. Only many iterations of the same sculpture. Maybe one day one will stick. Maybe I'll be made pots or bowls or something else you can dump your insecurities into. Maybe I'll be made mantelpiece. Something you never really look at but make sure to show off to visitors. Or make me paperweight. I've already spent a lifetime holding flimsy things down or tablets because even the earliest of writers viewed this clay as blank slate, as empty, waiting to be given meaning. And I realize now that I haven't been mad at you, but myself. For bending, for skipping that meal because you told me to, for trying to match my interests with yours when you forgot to ask what mine were, for letting your friends call me ugly and still holding your hand as you said nothing, for becoming mute and smaller to make more room for you, I am mad at myself. For still using the pronoun you, as it saying your name, Justin, will make me shrink again. As it saying your name, Daniel, will make me cry again. Sean, Chris, Caitlin, you will not manipulate this body again. And even then, I was going to say fake names there, but fuck it. Isaac, Jacob, one day. You do not have to be malleable to be worth something. You could be the brick that builds the house that stands the tallest, no matter how hard they try to knock you down. You could be the brick that falls or is thrown on their head. You could be the brick that accidentally breaks their car window. Just choose wisely, because one day you will no longer be malleable. You will no longer break your limbs to fit into a given mold, and you will say fuck anyone who asks you to because the thing about clay things is that eventually
1: we harden. I have to tell you, as a woman, I think that is one of the greatest poems written by any of our contemporaries right now about what it's like to be a woman it is one of the most empowering feminist poems i have ever heard i think it is incredible if you did not catch that and and you want to hear it again you can find that uh on youtube j j a e n i c h e l l e all right little clay things look that up on youtube and if you get a chance listen to it again it's really amazing you know i don't know if any of you've ever uh, read your poetry live in front of an audience like that. But it's pretty incredible. And I have done that lots of times. I've done them in front of, I mean, I've, I've performed in nightclubs. I've done it in front of, in an auditorium. I've, you know, little little library gatherings and stuff. The little ones are always the scariest for some reason. Because, you know, you're right there. You're breathing their air. When you're behind lights and you've got those lights in your eyes, it's like you really can't see them. But there's something that, if you have not done that before, I, I encourage you to do that because there's something incredible that happens When you hear, like when she was reading in the middle of her piece and she said, fuck it, you know, just the intensity of that. You heard the reaction, the emotional, out loud, physical response from the audience. And there's something really cool when you're reading something and the audience connects with you and you get that feedback. You get that. And it's just, it's incredible. So yeah, go check her out. Over on Facebook or excuse me, YouTube, little clay things. Look it up and you'll find her. Okay, so with that said, what comes next? I want to remind you again, the number to call in: six four six five nine five three nine six five. That's six four six five nine five three nine six five. If you'd like to call in and read, if you are on hold, this is what you can expect. We do take callers in the order that you call in. So area code A. 540. 540 is our first caller tonight. Listen for your telephone area code. When I bring you on, please, I'm begging you, introduce yourself. It's really important. Even though, you know, I may have known you for 20 years, there's someone that's going to be listening to the archives two months from now, two years from now, 20 years from now, that does not know who you are. So it's really important to let people know who's reading and to have your name attached to your work because you are verbally verbally publishing your piece, calling the show. You know, And if you think about it, sound waves never go away. They just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. They never go away. So every time you think about that, the power of that, every word you speak never goes away. It just gets bigger. And people wonder whether one person can change the world or not. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> make sure you introduce yourself. Let people know who you are. Right now, we can do two poems. Uh, keep them right around the five-minute mark. Be courteous to the people waiting behind you. If that changes at any point and the lines get too busy, we may need to cut that back down to one poem, and uh, I'll let you know if that happens. But right now, I think we're good at two. You're you're good at two. So. Two poems. When you're done reading, make sure that you give out your URL. It's really important that people are able to come find you. Someone could hear you and think, oh my God, that was the most amazing poem. It resonated in my soul. It made my toes curl. I have to know who was that. Oh wait, they didn't give their name. Oh wait, no URL. Oh, well, what the hell? They're they're out there searching for you hopelessly. They need you. They need your poems. Introduce yourself. Give your URL. All right. (laughs) Please remember that we have a mature rating. That means you really are bound to hear just about anything. I have no idea. We don't screen our calls, so I have no idea who's on the line or what they're going to read. So, yeah, you, you could hear just about anything. But just keep in mind, even though we have mature rating, we do not have an adult rating. So no bumping body parts, no tab A into a slot B. We don't need to know about the nipples. That's okay. Keep it a little ethereal, and we're good to go. So no no adult porn palms. But other than that, you're good. With that said, I think that I'm going to go ahead and give the first three callers so you kind of have a heads up. Uh, 216, let me do this real quick. 216, your hand is not up. If you want to read tonight, please press 1. If you're just hanging out and listening for a little bit and change your mind, press 1, and that will put you in the lineup at that time. Same thing for you, 407. So 407 and 216. You are not in the lineup. If you guys would like to come on and read tonight, please press 1. Everyone else, I see you. I got you. You're good. Our first three callers tonight, as I said before, first will be 540, followed by 419, and then 219. All right. Let's go ahead and grab 540. 540, are you with me?
4: Hey, it's Phil Church down in Virginia.
1: Hi, sweetheart. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing pretty good. We, it's almost summertime down here. We were, we were almost in the 70s today, and we're going to get close to the 80s in the next couple of
1: days. You know, I wonder how hot it would have to get to kill the virus, because it doesn't like heat.
4: Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Probably uh, hot enough to kill everybody else too <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's true, yeah, that's
4: true.
1: so how are you doing uh, down there in your cloistered little self self-preserved I, world
4: well like you know it's like i said for me this is not a, anything new i've i've been uh, uh you know uh sequestered and quarantined and social distanced from uh the world for about five years now so uh uh, for me it's it's really there's not that big a difference, but I do feel for for other folks I really do you know it's a, this is a tough, tough time it's a tough time
1: you know if somebody has to like the restaurants who aren't serving and all this stuff, if somebody is forced laid off, that can be really devastating financially. you know so my heart really goes out to them, and those are not the people that i 'm talking about, but the people who have the ability. To quarantine themselves, you know, or who are you know who have to stay in, you know, like, like I, I do, you know, I do stuff from home a lot, so this isn't a big deal for me. And those people who are complaining about that are just making me crazy. It's like, oh my god, you ki- are you kidding me? That's like getting in trouble and your mom sending you to your room. Are you kidding me? I love my room. That's not a punishment. <laughs>
4: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh. I, my my quick advice to uh, poets and writers and all would be not to. Uh, and This was kind of how I dealt with things early on in my my writing and uh, you know with my uh, uh, my medical situation. But don't look at it as isolation. Look at it as solitude. Use it as another tool. Uh, you know uh, to uh, to explore you know uh, yourself and your mind and your spirit and and your writing and uh mm-hmm. uh you know that's uh once again you know I always recommend letters to a young poet by uh Rilke and uh, that first letter that that uh, it's it's not very long it's only 19 letters it's a small book and you can find it online for free but uh, that that first letter he really talks about Uh, Solitude and and everything It really brought it into focus for me So I I recommend that to everybody
1: I absolutely agree Absolutely agree Very well said my darling So what would you bring us tonight?
4: Well, uh, you know Like I said before I'm I'm an Appalachian outlaw And inspirational poet So I've got an inspirational piece tonight before you get to that, I'm family. sorry,
1: I'm sorry, wait, 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 before you get to that. Um, did you see that link that I posted on my page for that publication that's looking for poets
4: from the yes, Appalachian Mountain area?
1: Were you I familiar with that group?
4: That. I'm not really, I, I've heard about the, the what is it, the, uh, the gravel, sand and gravel uh, uh, thing, and I'm actually, uh, I follow them on Facebook, even though I never really see anything from them, it seems. But I'm going to submit to that, so I really I appreciate the fire out of that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I was hoping that you, I was hoping that you would get online and see that on there because I thought about you. I had oh, to post. I mean, you're the only person I know in that area, so you're you're the only reason I posted <laughs> posted that thing. But I had to so you would see it.
4: Well, uh, yeah, and I am. Uh, I think the cutoff date is uh, <clears throat> April 15th, so I'm I want to submit. Uh, actually, I was going to submit some of my. Uh, Appalachian Sonnets, uh, to to see uh, if any of those would fly with them. Excuse me, I'm getting a frog in my throat. I hope it doesn't mess me up here. But uh, yeah, I'm only going to be able to do the one tonight. And uh, it's called uh, The Secret of Life. Here we go can any idea be questioned so dear as when it's wondered why am i here notions of what was what is and what will be populate the thoughts when turned to destiny it may be wondered what things have been missed when trying to simply discover why does one exist it can become a point really affecting our condition wondering of how and what to do with our ambition. There's always a real danger of paying a high cost when there is a belief that one's aspirations are lost. So to quell the vexation and uneasy persistence, here is the key to understanding one's existence. No matter who you are or what is your life's station, You've been ordained to exist as part of God's creation. Like the sea, mountains, or blazing stars, all that thrives and persists, you are here for a reason. You're as important as all else that exists. This makes it not only obvious you are his invention, but you are endowed with ability to accomplish his intention. No matter what happens, you are amply equipped To fulfill your part But it must be played by his script It requires That your dreams and goals Be amended Surrendering your ambitions For what he's intended This might not seem easy With what you believe Or have been taught But God's plan for you Is your best destiny It's already been wrought Just let go of all of your worry Surrender your anxiety and strife Relax Relax in God's grace. Seek Him with all your heart and give him back your life. In Bowen.
1: That was beautiful. Oh, thank Every, you. Absolutely beautifully said, sweetheart.
4: Thank you much, Lee. I appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome, dear. And you said you're just gonna do the one tonight?
4: Yeah, I'm kinda running out of <laughs> out of my running out of steam, steam for the, steam. the day. Yeah, I can only, it seems like anymore, I can only really, uh, you know, talk so long, which to some people, that's a blessing. <laughs>
1: uh. oh, all right, sweetie. So, shoot me a message, let me know how things are going this week, okay?
4: I sure will, and you hang tough, okay? And everybody else is listening, y'all hang tough. And I, I love you, and you can find me uh, on uh book Phil Church or if you want to check out any of my books I'm on uh, Amazon just search Philip Kent K-E-N-T Church and it should pop right up
1: Very cool All right, sweetheart love you dearly appreciate it and I'm really glad you were able to call in tonight and thank you for our borrowed poetry prompt by the way I don't know if you heard that but I stole a line from your poem from last week
4: Yes I did I'm very flattered (laughs) by that I I can't wait to uh, hear if anybody does anything with that next week
1: that's a great line. Thank you for sharing it.
4: No, thank you. All
1: hun. Right, Go get some rest. Let's enjoy the rest of the show, and we appreciate you being here. Thank you.
4: Oh, I appreciate being able to be here. So we'll talk to you next week.
1: All right, baby. Bye-bye, bye bye, hun. Bye. All righty. Our next caller comes from area code 419. 419, you're on the air. Hi, Ms. Nyla. How are you? I am doing absolutely wonderful. How are you, sweetheart?
2: I'm ah, doing okay. I got a little bit of cold, and every time you, like, get the sniffles or something's wrong with your voice going away, you kind of get scared, I guess. <laughs> the everyone,
1: did everyone watch that stupid Trump address the other day where that lady was, I can't remember her name to save my life, was talking about, yeah, and I didn't feel good, so I got tested over the weekend, and he took, like, six jumps backwards away from her. It was so funny. Oh, my God, it was hysterical. Okay, I'm done now. Hi. I didn't, I didn't see that. I,
2: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess there's like 28 new cases in my county, and one of them passed away this morning. Uh, one in 28, that's a pretty small. I don't know. Anyway, I wrote about that, but last week I wrote something, and then this week I have something turning it around because, I don't know, it was just on my mind as thought. So I do have two tonight if you let me read them, and they're not very long. Not like my mm-hmm, time. And um the world I'm Shelley Gambino, <laughs> so Agent four one nine in your case, Nyla. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Okay. I don't have a title, so I'm just gonna read it. America. The world is diseased. Is this a global conspiracy? A virus created and bred to take down nations, countries around the globe. God has been removed from this world and the devil walks freely unleashed. If it is not a virus that spreads, it's the hatred of the people, the cults of the elite. This world is going crazy, maddening times ahead. Cooler heads before have prevailed. Take precautions, all necessary. Be vigilant to your surroundings. Remain diligent. The true enemies are masked behind the virus. The real question is, who released this? Who created this? What was their aim? Who funded and why? This is war. People are dying, taking lives by the day. The numbers are multiplying. Time will only tell if we survive this nightmarish hell, riding out this wave, hoping it passes. The numbers of dead astronomical masses continuing to rise the whole world wide. No one is immune. Many will never make it out alive. We live, we die, we fall, we rise. Prayers, we get through this. Prayers and wishes to all. Prayers for our own survival. Prayers to stave off God's final call. We are the soldiers, we the people, fighting this battle. Answers will come when the sky's clear and the clouds quit shedding their tears. This is all over our atmosphere. It is everywhere. Airborne molecules with purposeful vengeance ensued with criminal intent. We live, we die, we breathe. Deeply, we inhale, we exhale We exist, the children of God. We, the people, protecting our own. Suppression can only go on for so long until one day they are taken down. The rise, the fall. See you later, Cabal. We are what we reap. We are what we sow. Genius idea. Population control. End piece. It was a twist of all kinds of thinking and conspiracy theories. Are you still there? Did I lose you? Hello? I don't know what happened.
5: Fun Fact. Planet Earth is 4.5 billion years old. Mankind, about 140,000 years old. Let me put that in perspective. If you condense the Earth's lifespan into 24 hours, that's one full day, then we have been here on this planet for, drum roll please. Three seconds. Three seconds. And look what we've done. We have modestly named ourselves Homo sapiens, meaning wise man. But is man really so wise? Smart, yes, and it's good to be smart, but not too smart for your own good. Yes, we have split the atom. Yes, we build clever machines that navigate the universe in search of new homes, but at the same time, those atoms we split created nuclear warfare. And our quest to explore the galaxy rejects and neglects the home that we have here now. So no, that cannot be wisdom. Wisdom is different. While intelligence speaks, wisdom listens, and we willingly covered our ears to Mother Nature's screams and closed our eyes to all of her help-wanted signs wisdom knows that every action has an equal and opposite reaction, so if we were wise, we would not be shocked when we see storms that are stronger than ever before, or more drought, hurricanes and wildfire than ever before because there's more pollution than ever before more carbon, more trees cut down than ever before, at a record pace we have increased the extinction of animals by 1,000 times the normal rate what a feat, in the next 10 to 100 years, every beloved animal character in every children's book is predicted to go extinct, gone rhinos gone tiger gorilla elephant polar bear gone in three seconds species that have been here longer than us will be gone because of us in this three seconds in an existence shorter than a Vine video, we turn the circle of life into our own personal conveyor belt. Somebody, anybody, help. We were given so much. The only planet in this solar system with life. I mean, we are one in a million. No, actually, scientifically, we are one in a billion, trillion, trillion. That's a one followed by 33 zeros. And I don't want to get too spiritual, but how are we not a miracle? We are perfectly positioned to the sun so we don't burn, but not too distant so we don't turn to our Goldilocks said it best. We are just right. This paradise where we are given medicine from trees. Not coincidentally, but because like the song says, we are family. Literally, everything, every species is connected genetically from the sunflower to the sunfish. And this is what we must recognize before it's too late. Because the real crisis is not global warming, environmental destruction, or animal agriculture. It is us. These problems are symptoms of us. Byproducts of us. Art in a reflection, loss of connection has created this misdirection. We have forgotten that everything contributes to the perfection of Mother Nature. Corporations keep us unaware and disconnected, but they have underestimated our strength. Contrary to popular belief, millions are waking up out of their sleep, seeing our home being taken right up under our feet. We cannot allow our history to be written by the wicked, greedy, and loony. It is our duty to protect Mother Nature from those who refuse to see her beauty. Call me crazy, but I believe we should have the The right to eat food that's safe with ingredients we can pronounce. Drink water that is clean. Marvel at trees. Breathe air free of toxins. These are natural rights, not things that can be bargained for in Congress. See, they want you to feel powerless, but it has been said that something as small as the
6: Beginning be the alpha. As it is written, it, it be the first chapter, call it life. life. Beautiful as it is and in the beginning, never thinking about an ending, just thinking about building, creating that solid foundation to stand on, trusting, hoping that you don't stand alone, just, just hoping. Nose wide open Walking on face Just trying to keep pace Trying not to lose the race Of, of everyday Everyday life, life.
0: <laughs> Yeah
6: I saw her sitting in the little coffee shop Just sipping Right To the naked eye doing nothing exciting man She was just sipping Right But it was something about her Something that made me wonder as she sat there alone over yonder, just sitting, writing. What was she writing? Was it poetry? She looked up, man, and, and she finally noticed me, and, and she smiled. So beautiful it was, like like looking at the river now, because so beautiful she was. So so I smiled. She went back to writing. Doing nothing exciting, man, and, and, and I just stood there and admired and. Wanted to walk on over and introduce myself. But because of my shot, I decided to retire. To a chair two tables down. Quiet without a hint of a sound, I just sat there sipping, gazing. Admiring her from a distance because her beauty and her innocence was so amazing. Her, her smile was so intoxicating. Her, her eyes were so engaging. The, the ten-second glance made my heart start racing. As if I was high on drugs. Straight free baby. I just sat there and daydreamed of, of me and her taking flights to far off places. Turning off our cell phones while, while we took long vacations and in, in hard-to-reach nations. It made me wonder who was this lady. It kept me sitting, gazing, driving me half crazy with anticipation. Nervous I am. She got me caught up in her aura like, like, like damn. Yo who is, this lady, I say coffee shop chilling, (laughs) I'm yet to know her name but somehow I seem to be catching feelings, I wonder upon her, does she come here often, or will she be interested in me and her doing some get to know you talking, and hope that maybe we can become good friends and do some park walking, (laughs) hold up. I find that I'm jealous of the way that she holds that pen. I kind of wish that it was me that she was holding. I kind of wish that I was that napkin that she was folding, touching. It's like behind our coffee cups, man, we're playing a sexy game of seduction, hiding, peeking. She's got my attention, no diversions, no interruptions, just just gazing, lusting, hiding, seeking. Every time she sits on her cup, it, it hides that devilish grin like she wants to sing like she's flirting, inviting me to come on over, come on in, I wish it was me that she was sipping, should I say I wish it was me that she was kissing, see this be beautiful beginning, the beginning be the alpha, as it is written, it be the first chapter, they call it life. Beautiful as it is in the beginning, never thinking about an ending. Just, just thinking about building, creating that solid foundation to stand on. Trusting that you don't stand alone. Just, just hoping, nose wide open, walking on faith. Just trying to keep pace, trying not to lose the race of everyday life. life. Sing on a white sandy beach Making love surrounded by palm trees I worship you because you made me believe That, that God, that God said that you and I uh, You and I were meant to be You are so heavenly I can't help but believe that, that God sent you to me Because you put me at peace and, and to him I am forever grateful I know sometimes baby that I can be a handful And for that I apologize melt me with those maple brown eyes but you handle me like, like the way trees slow in an autumn breeze, so gentle, so smooth. I, I can't help but be in love with you because you make it so easy sleep with me, dream with me, to a far off place where, where no one can find us, where it's just us. Caught up in the rush of our lust as we make love from dawn to dust As I look down and see you beneath me Looking up at me, smiling, sometimes staring me down Making love to me with your eyes as you hold on tight for the ride I, I love your, I love, I love the feel of your die Where your flesh feels against my flesh The way your chest feels against my chest The way we pause, we take deep breaths Deep, deep, deep breaths the thought of knowing that you are mine makes me lose all track of time so we end up making love for hours just just because there's nothing else to do it's just you on top of me and me on top of you with the sweetest smell of romance in the room i i take a whiff to consume the perfume because i want to smell of you with with me all day just one whiff, just one sniff Takes my breath away Got me finding, got me finding Got me feeling, got me feeling Got me feeling to see you on the next day The exact same way Me looking down at you And you staring up at me I can't think of a better position for us to be So just love me And if you feel it in your heart, girl it will just marry With the thought of knowing that This is what God always wanted us to be. You see, it's beautiful in the beginning. The beginning is the alpha. The beginning be the alpha as it is written. It it be the first chapter they call life. Beautiful as it is in the beginning. Never thinking about an ending, just, just thinking about building. Creating that solid foundation to stand on. Trusting. Hoping that you don't stand alone, man. Just... Just hoping, nose wide open, walking on faith, just trying to keep pace, trying not to lose the race of everyday life. Life, 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 see this, this be my Monday morning blue, I find myself caught up in the rapture, just longing, longing for her, missing her, her heavenly touch, oh so very much, like I didn't just see her on Sunday, yet I I find myself daydreaming about her, I find myself daydreaming about her all day, all day on Monday, daydreaming about all the love making we did over the weekend to no end, it just got me lonely, daydreaming about her once again as I long for her kiss, I look at my t-shirt that she had online across my bed and I can't help but reminisce, I pick it up and pull it close to me, close my eyes, take a deep breath and I can smell her scent. Reminded me once again of the time that we spent just, just love making The smell is something out of a, a bath and body works And the sweet smelling aroma romance enough to drop me to my knees As I shake my head like, like I'm about to repent Is it the smell of moonlight path reminding me of our sexy, sexy hour long bubble bath Or was it the smell of a midnight pomegranate You see, it's been less than 24 hours y'all since she's been gone And, and already man, already I can't stand it I'm just longing, longing for her, I'm fine, I'm fiending, I'm fine, I'm fiending for her love, like an addict addicted to a drug, she, she got, she got me on that crack, y'all, <laughs> I got to have it like that Spike Lee joint, y'all. y'all, I need it, you see, I, I need it, y'all, I, I need it in the worst way, like a fiend that, that can't stay clean, look, look at me, y'all, she, she got me shaking, she got me shaking just thinking about the crazy love making I'm going through withdrawal from the lack of it all, from the lack of her kiss, from the lack of her touch, from the lack of her love that I miss oh so much. And she just left this homeboy alone, like, like yesterday. You see, this be my Monday morning blue. I'm gonna be this way until the weekend rolls back around, just fine, just fiendish. Just fiending, y'all. I'm gonna be this way until her, uh, until I hear the sound of her walking through my door. I'm gonna be this way until Friday. It's fine. Just just got I do this dance all over again. We're gonna do this romance again. All freaking weekend. You See, it's beautiful in the beginning. The beginning be the alpha as it is written, it, it be the first chapter they call life. Beautiful as it is in the beginning, never thinking about an ending, just thinking about building, creating that solid foundation to stand on, trusting, hoping that you stand alone, just hoping, nose wide open, walking on face, just trying to keep the pace, trying not to lose the race of everyday life. life. Proverbs 18:22 states that he that finds a wife uh, finds a good thing, and obtains favor, obtains favor in the Lord. And I guess that means that that I have found favor, much favor, much favor, y'all, because I have surely found me a good thing. I stand here today, and I I say to you that I, <laughs> that I, Eddie L. Oliver, oh uh, man, I have found a wife. So when I can trust. Someone I can love. Someone that loves and believes in me just as I love and believe in her. Someone that I vow to cherish. Someone that I, I vow to protect with my very last breath until death, until death, until death, until death, until death y'all, until death, you are the part. You see, she, ah, uh, she and only she was with all her beauty and her brains and her amazing smile, man. She, ah, uh, yes, yeah, she, she was the one who was good enough to capture my heart. When I wasn't even looking for love, when I wasn't even looking for for my heart to be captured, when I when I didn't even know y'all that that love existed, when I didn't even know that love was looking for me, man, she she captured my heart, and I say to you that somehow, some somewhere, y'all, <laughs> oh, we found each other through the mist and the fog, through through the tall buildings and towering trees, y'all, somehow, ah, oh, some way, man, we. We, we found each other Like two ships lost in the night Like, like two people lost in the wilderness Like, like two people stranded at sea You see, we, huh, oh man, we found each other Like in John 9:25. man, all I know is Once I was blind, but now I see Now I can see what love truly is Now I can see what, what love must, must look like And it's a beautiful thing, y'all Cause now my eyes are wide open now I know, now I know that, that he who finds a wife surely, surely, surely finds a good thing. I'm here to say, y'all, uh, that I have surely found me a good thing. <laughs> you see, it's, it's beautiful in the beginning. Yo, uh, beginning be the alpha as it's written. It be the first chapter they call life. Beauty as it is in the beginning. Never thinking about it and then just thinking about building, creating that solid foundation to stand on, trusting, hoping that you don't stand alone, just hoping, nose wide open, walking on faith, just trying to keep pace, trying not to lose the race of every day, of every day, of every day life.
0: Life, 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 yeah, <laughs> oh yeah.
7: Love sick.
8: Flee from me, O love. Depart from the reach of high. Gather with you your empty vows and false promises. Declarations of immortality. Move from me, O love why the mere mention of your wicked existence only aids in the decomposition of what you have left of my depleted body. Love. knowledge
0: your existence
8: curses to your falsehood your salted kisses and bitter lies oh love leaving me in a worse state than when I was found for now I crave you yes love craving you without reason You have robbed me of my very sanity. Love. You have rendered me unable to love myself. Since this be so, Let me be filled with damnation or nothing at all. Let me be voided of even my own existence for I am grown sick of love from hair to skin to the very marrow of my bones. Pain has me pent up can feel the walls closing in. Try not to ball up while looking for a pressure pin. Deep, dark, beyond measuring. Digging, trying to find what it is that I am treasuring. Love dealt me a hand I could not hold it. I folded. I once had a heart of gold and someone stole it, then they stole it, it equates to scattered screams and shattered dreams, dreams that don't vision clearly screams when no one hears me muted while mutated, degraded, degraded, decimated while painfully educated. Till I am emotionally eradicated The road to nowhere is endless Booted by lost premise See, my life's motivation was hijacked Kidnapped by a hater and a lover's mask Trick me, treat me, beat me (laughs) Like a hyena when you eat me Laughing at me while gnashing at me Trust is protection, I have no weapons, love is leverage, it aids deception, I must be a bullseye, they keep aiming, disregard in my direction, my life is death row, where's my injection? Since the arms of despair is my only affection, I evade love without detection. I've grown sick from love's infection. Unshielded, no deflection. Pain. It's got me bent up while the walls are closing in. I'm trying not to ball up while looking for pressure pins. Love. <laughs> Oh, sweet love, move from high, for I love you not. That was written in pain.
0: It is midnight, the
8: moon bright off the flame. I am the hope of forgotten men, God in a world without blame. Welcome
1: to the Inkwell. Brought to you by the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show. The Inkwell is a how-to show designed for writers to help them advance in their writing careers. So you've written something, now what? That's what we're here to tell you. Now, on to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another segment of The Inkwell, very excited to be putting on this show today we have a special guest coming on with us Cassandra tribe Cassandra is a second time workshop host here with us. She hosted a show a couple years ago, actually, that was absolutely amazing. We had people who listened to that workshop and said it absolutely changed her life in the way that they write. So I'm really, really excited to be able to bring her and share her with you guys again. I'd like to go ahead and welcome her to the show. Are you with me, Cassandra?
9: I think I am. Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you. <laughs> oh, good. I'm a little br- <laughs> what? I said, "Welcome to the Inkwell." <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so I'm excited you're here, and I'm really, really excited. I want to thank you so much for agreeing to do this workshop. The last one that you did with us was absolutely amazing, and we still have people who are listening to that. And you know, I, every time I promote it, I talk about you have to listen to this because it will change your life. You know, and not just as a writer; it was just a phenomenal a phenomenal sharing that you had with us during that show
9: well good thank you I mean I I was glad that you asked me when I called in it's something that I enjoy doing a lot I'm not currently teaching writing courses right now I was for quite some time so it's it's nice to be getting back in and just being able to put stuff out there because it helps it helps me, too, because it kind of solidifies my own thinking, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I do all the challenges that I come up with in the workshops myself, so that also spurs me along. So um, you've
1: had, you've been gone for a little bit, and I was real excited when you called into the Speakeasy and read a couple weeks ago, and I was so thrilled to hear from you. You've had a pretty pretty rough time lately. You've had a lot of, a lot of challenges of your own. What's been going on with you?
9: Well, I sort of, pulled back from everything about two or three years ago and it was for the purpose of being able to focus and finish a big dramatic play i was working working on called the city of love about two years ago i got hit by a car while riding a bicycle and that has kind of changed my entire life i have i have permanent damage from it so i can't I don't know yet whether or not I'll be able to ever perform live again. I had to relearn how to speak and control my voice, and I have to walk with a cane and just, you know, anyone who's ever been through something like that or who deals with chronic pain and all the changes that come with it knows that just you start from scratch again. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. when I actually called in uh, just a few weeks ago. That was the first time I had read. I had just started writing again within the past eight months because I had to relearn the whole process of how to write, of how to even think about poetry because the area of my brain that got affected affected how I creatively think. So I had to find different ways to do things. You know, and then I had to get writing all the poems that I swear I will never show to anybody. But, they're the bitter and angry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to
9: just get that right out of my system. <laughs> I, you, know, you, do ha- yeah, well, you know, you have to do that. That's part of the process, you know. And for me, part of my process is learning how to do something more with whatever I have at the moment and right now it's I view myself as having a very different tool set than I had before when I did the last workshop but um um,
1: know that that's not easy to do and it was a yeah that had to have been a handful I can't even imagine what you were going through but I am so proud of you because I mean you're a fighter you don't give up ever
9: yeah yeah I mean that's the key it's like even if everything changes there's still a very effective role you can play. I think one of the funniest things about the accident with a lot of what I do is I work with pain management and I work with Alzheimer's and with people in all sorts of conditions. And suddenly I was forced into the position of having to use what I taught. And that has changed everything about how i help other people and you know i for me in the back of my mind it was always get back to the poetry get back to the poetry that was one of my goals it may not be the same as where i was before but it's still mine and its poetry and poetry goes places mine is Stumbling places right now But it's getting back I have The City of Love Which I mentioned before That's like a 92 page poem And there are 23 different characters in it yeah whats what is designed,
1: What is what you're doing with that
9: Well, it's designed for the stage. It's written according to someone who contacted me about a year ago. There were only about, they were trying to put together a list of a hundred living writers who actually worked in the old dramatic poetry form. And I was number 36 that they had found, and they were having difficulties finding any more because this is a very, the form I'm using is very traditional. The, uh, The act of writing poetry for the stage is starting to come back. A lot of people don't know that most of the plays, the older plays, most of the older everything, were originally written as poems. You didn't have playwrights, you had poets, they just happened to write the stage. So come the spring, I have a, as yet, I'm not going to give a name, but it's a respected theater company in the Northeast, they're taking the poem in the spring, and I'm going to start working with their dramaturgist. Now, the dramaturgists, what they are in charge of is working with me to realize, you know, the stage directions, where where the poets will be on stage, what will go on. I don't have to do that as the poet, thank God. I just have to get them the words and a few little, and then this happens, you know, tucked in in italics. And it's the dramaturgist that actually creates the form that is followed on stage. And then it should debut next year.
1: So well, how, that's one about that? that is phenomenal.
9: I'm excited about it. It took me a long time to get here. I mean, accident notwithstanding. I started... I, it was something I've wanted to do for over 10 years, and I knew I wasn't there yet. So I started... First, I wrote a poem called Monster, which was for a lot of reasons I wrote that poem... But part of it was the structure. Can I carry a story all the way through, you know, with a complicated character? And then I wrote The Demon of Providence and there's actually two characters in The Demon even though only one speaks. And I did the little film of them where they're interacting so I play with that. And then I actually did put on a poem on stage with Jay Chatel and Michelle Santille called The Language of Salmon. And we are radically different poets. I mean, you can't Get more radically different than myself, Jay, and Michelle. And what we did is we took the theme, we took the name, and then we all wrote poems in response to it. And then I had the dramaturgist role where I took the poems and I wove them together. So the three of us were on stage, each of us reading our own poems, but it sounded like we were reading one large poem together. And that was, once I got done with that, I know I was ready to move forward with the city because I felt like, you know, it small steps but you sort of as you find out what you don't know you go try it and that's how you learn it if you hear any small screeches in the background because he just started firing up that would be my newest companion harry the parrot (laughs) who is a year and two months old fully flighted and full of himself and he loves poetry and he loves when i talk on the phone
1: Oh, no. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, he loves
9: Skype. Without, he loves really? to see people. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, That's cool. Well, we look forward to hearing from him throughout the show. Say
9: what I have for you today as, you know, I actually... Having the recovery time down kind of put me in a place where I had to watch and listen more. And when you asked me about doing a workshop, I jumped at it because there's something I've been noticing more and more poets doing besides wanting to work on stage. And mm-hmm. that five, five years ago, eight years ago, when you found groups of poets online, there might be a poetry challenge, you know, or maybe they were posting um, their own poems, people were giving feedback. And now it seems there's a lot more poetry groups where they're centered around a cause. So what I wanted to look at, because that plays into creating poetry that can be performed on stage or staging poets together. I mean, here you have a central theme. You know, how do you make a poem that serves the cause? So that's when I came up with the idea for the it's a writing exercise called Binding the Moon, um, and that's what this workshop's going to be about. I love that title. Isn't it a nice title?
1: It It was hard
9: to give that. It was a hard title to give up.
1: (laughs) You know, (laughs) I I can understand that completely because when I when you sent me the information on the workshop, I was looking at that and I'm thinking, oh, oh. Um, well, <laughs> I like that well. Here's, here's the
9: good part. In the writing exercise, that is your title.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. I'm happy then. <laughs> yeah, so that's the first part of the really exercise. Imagine, oh no, no. I want that one.
9: <laughs> yeah, the first part of the exercise is the title has to be Binding the Moon, but I'll get into that more a little bit later. Yeah, that sucks. Giving that one up. <laughs>
1: I actually honestly think I only write... You didn't give it up, you just gave it wings.
9: Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I actually think I only write poetry so I can come up with titles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we get started, I want to... I have a track of yours called Executioner's Song, and I would like to kind of segue between... You know our chatty, our chatty part of this, and you starting the workshop by playing that, if that's okay with you.
9: That would be good because I actually referenced that poem in a section of, in the section at the end of the workshop, where I'm going to ask you a question about whether or not you think I did something well in this poem. So, oh, you didn't tell yeah. me there was a
1: quiz at the end.
9: Well, the quiz is about me. <laughs>
1: It's all about me. <laughs> Alright, you guys, this is a this is a piece called Executioner's Song by Cassandra Tribe. And then as soon as it's over, the mic's all yours. Just go ahead and get into your workshop, okay? Okay, great. Here we go.
8: My hour of worship is midnight. The moon bright off to flame. I am the hope of forgotten men, God in the world without blame.
10: The cross, blankets, body thought. Sometimes it cushions with deed. Food is proof of kindness. Kindness bargained for peace. Prayers are said, permission loomed. So it begins. Death enters the gloom. The life that waited retreats from the world. The soul is forgotten. The body, peace. By one. Death will go back to living until he is needed again. Memory will be argued by no one called to friend. Compared to a soldier feted for killing in the name of caprice, death in the pieces kept hidden. Blind justice fails to increase. Even on battlefield, there is no faith. Even in war. Rules contain blame. At home, where soldiers are bootless, death is recruited and paid, service requested and rendered, secrecy hides all blame. Judas fed coins to soil, the only seeds that ever grew, trees to watch the world, and man as he through. Bright moon finds swaying face to hide and reveal again, flashes of effort misplaced. Sponchance revealed forsaken in solemn place The body strapped down and blinded still communicates Press wafer provides the food, food to assuage the weak, leaving the body hungry, crying one speech. Bright moon finds swaying face to hide and reveal again, flashes of effort misplaced, spun chance revealed forsaken. I have gone. To husbands who were fathers. I have gone to wives who were mothers. Wanting them to serve. Solid food better. The plate they gave me was empty. Though it turned just so. Hoping I wouldn't notice. Broke finish, mold and go. Brother and sister after. Forgot me and argued on how. When wine had been flowing so freely. Their cups were empty now not agreeing with any reason. They decided each other to slur, the wine soaked into the ground, no pool of bliss anymore. No one in this world that loves secrets revealed wants to know the why of I am. Even the Christ on the hill was asked the source of his plan. I am the secret son of faith. Chose a different stand Following words inspired But written by human hands My temple shall find in castles Filled with forgotten men Each of them Sacrifice Food men's growing sin I am the one who goes on The one who should be condemned But I make the sleep of the world Quiet dismissed of like him One day The world Will go blind And in blindness Find me, and see. The flame on my altar will fade, and midnight will never be. Till then, I am always invited, false promise of life believed, for I am the Christ of the Chamber. These castles only I enter. Yet rule I both now and now.
0: Why oh. the of
4: the name
9: of the workshop today is Binding the Moon, and the tagline for it is Creating Poetry That Can Change the World. So what we're talking about today isn't poetry really about your life um, or your experience or things like that. We're talking about poetry that is specifically written for to create a change for social justice. Um, it could be writing for cause. It could be writing for social justice. It could be writing to change a cultural attitude, writing for faith or writing for politics. Uh, the exercise Binding the Moon This is part one of the exercise. I'm going to give you the easy, actually, I'll give you the whole exercise in one basic thing. Your title is Binding the Moon. Binding the Moon is your main symbol or metaphor, and you just write a poem. That concerns the cause of your choice. Now, to break that down further so you understand what, you have to think about to create a poem that really reaches out and changes something or creates the opportunity for change there's a lot more going on than just you know writing in the moment i mean we all we all start somewhere and um when we tend to start writing poetry we tend to start at an early age i think poetry is one of the few arts that has its genesis in adolescent hormones. So we, you know, we write because we're ready to explode because all these emotions are coming out. Our brains are still develop- developing. We have no other way to say them than in rhyme and meter to write them for ourselves, sometimes to share them. I mean, we write about love, grief, longing, lust, power, poverty. We write it both, both we're in the process of writing ourselves into being. Because we know we see things that, you know, as we grow and mature, we see things in the world that, oh, you know, we don't agree with or we want. You know, we want to be that. We want to be like that. This is the age of heroes. You know, we, we are desperate to make a record of our lives and to, and to find out that who we are and that what we feel is valid and important for a lot of people out there it's that poetry journal from junior high or high school that is all they had in their life telling them that they were worth something you know that type of poetry is extremely powerful you might look at it you know as you get to an advanced age you might look back and go oh i hope no one sees this because it's so awful but don't don't insult the person who wrote that You know, the person who wrote that was you, and it was you in the moment at that age being very real and very true to yourself and life as you understood it. As we grow older, our understandings change, and we start to look around and say, oh, you know, I wouldn't have been and had such a a, a horrible, horrendous time growing up if bullying wasn't you know, so prevalent in this culture. How can I help change this? Well, you do help change this by you start creating things that shift, either shift attitudes or open the doors to discussion. Um, and there are there are very, very few, pe- and you can trust me on this, there are very few people in life who want life to stay the same, you know. And of those very few people, almost none of them, none of them write poetry. Poetry, no matter what or why you're writing it, contains longing and desire. Either it's you want to, you long to preserve a moment that you know is going to change, so you memorialize it, you celebrate it in your poetry, or you're wanting so much for something to be different that you're writing almost like a prayer to it, to make it come into being. You know, poetry is not stagnant. You know, it's not about, you know, oh, I wish everything think would be the same stuff, because if, if that's the way you think, you tend not to write poetry. Um, poets are driven by change because they are the recorders of change. A lot of people in this day and age who write poetry struggle to kind of find where to fit this in their life and in the great scheme of things, because it's not like, I mean, the whole arts, and the purpose of the arts in society and in community has really shifted. And there's a lot of people get a lot of flack. Oh, you're going to be an artist, you're going to be a writer, you're going to be a poet. Well, you're not going to make any money at that. You're not going to do this. And that's not what it's all about. Poets are the recorders of change. They are the recorders of cause and effect. We are humanity's memory, conscious and heart. Poetry is essential for civilization, and it's essential for the health of civilization, you know, but uh, when you get to the part where you're starting to leave behind, you know, writing very, very, very personal pieces, and you're starting to look towards, well, you know, maybe this isn't solely about me, but there's a thing going on, and I so want this to change you know and now you're starting to write for cause i mean there were tons of poetry came out as soon as the incident at ferguson hit there was a real spike online of poetry that is specifically about this cause that also related personally to people's experience again that's an example of being a recorder you aren't just yourself you are everybody else too uh... but the problem is is that when we start to want to write for about causes we for some reason tend to forget ourselves you know we we leave too much of the poet out of the content you know and we get into almost like a reporter like fashion of describing you know describing horrible events describing other people's reactions but the thing about poetry is no matter what you do with it and whether you're speaking to a global audience or you're preaching to the choir is that it's the, the power of poetry is it's coming from within one person. It goes back to that idea that what you feel, who you are, is not only valid, you are needed in the world. Every single person makes a difference. If, if, here's the big if, if they put forth. As poets what you put forth are your words. You should cherish and honor your words. You should love them, but not that much. We'll get to that at the other end. You know, so the first thing you have to do when you want to start writing about a cause, you know, or writing for a specific purpose, you know, like the executioner's song, that is about the death penalty, You know, so, okay, so I came up and said, well, I want to do a poem about the death penalty. So the first thing you you want to do is you want to know what you want to accomplish. Why are you writing this poem? Now, with the executioner song, my goal with the poem was not to get people to think one way or the other about the death penalty. It was just to point out how it exists within culture and affects our society. You know, that's what I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to open the door to debate that was not based in emotion. And that, thankfully, has been what it has done to a degree. Um, And I have to interrupt myself because the, the parrot is about to trigger a track to be played. So I'll just move him right off of the studio. So the first thing you need to know is what you want to accomplish. Why are you writing this poem? It's, you know, because I feel like it, because I'm responding to it. This, this is a good place to begin. Okay, so you responded to it. That's good, but what do you want to do with it? You know, what do you want to accomplish? Do you want to let people know how you feel? Do you want them to let them know this is right, this is wrong, this could have been handled better? The second thing you want to do is understand your passion. Okay, you want to write about this. Why? why is this topic so important to you and more important than the other topic over here passion is a very unique and individual thing you can't be passionate about everything because then you just wind up being tired you know when you hear someone say that I'm you know I advocate for social justice that's not ever ever true You know, you're most likely, you may advocate for broad social justice, but you're only passionate about certain parts. You may be committed to everything. But understanding your passion is very important because it's going to tell you which causes you should be writing for and which you should leave to another as a poet. The third thing you have to do is know where your strengths are and then you have to find the weaknesses and the strengths. Usually you get told, oh, know your strengths and weaknesses, work on your weaknesses. Now, you will maybe weak in an area. You may not rhyme well. You may not, you know, have be capable of perfect pentameter or, you know, whatever it may be. Well, you know what? That may just never happen for you. Once you get to a certain point where you're comfortable writing, look at your strengths. You know, look at, maybe you have a stellar delivery style. Maybe it's consistency that's your strengths. Maybe you have the ability with words to paint a vibrant picture. You know, now look at those strengths and see how to make them stronger. The stronger your strengths become, the less the weaknesses matter. You can always go back and work on areas you know need improving, but you should also always pay attention to what works for you and nurture it. It's like like anything else in your life. If you have a good relationship and you want to keep a good relationship, you have to take what's good about that relationship and make it stronger. That's what allows you to handle anything else that's less than perfect. so going back to the exercise. So the, the exercise is called Binding the Moon Again. That is your title. You are to use that phrase as your main title and imagery and to create a poem that addresses a cause you are passionate about. So here's how you start. First of all, the first question is, what are you passionate about and why? That's trickier than it sounds, especially in the digital age. You don't really realize how deeply you are manipulated by the Internet, especially in regards to social media. You may have seen the blip in the news where everyone got upset a couple months ago about Facebook tweaking people's news items to see if then their posts became more depressed or happy. Well, the thing is, everything you see on the Internet, everything you take in, if you you remember that phrase, you are what you eat, well you eat with your eyes too. You know, in, on your social media accounts, you eat with your you're eating with your eyes. Whatever get thrown gets thrown at you, you take in and it's going to affect you emotionally. So you might feel like you're very passionate about something, but it might be a passing passion. It might be a result of all this attention placed on something that is something that, yes, it concerns you, but is it a passion? Maybe not. So what you want to do is make a list. And this is kind of like the litmus test for what you're passionate about. So you make a list of the causes you're passionate about right now. And then when you're done with that list, I want you to go back and circle everything on that list you were passionate about three years ago. Now, of course, you can't, if you're saying you're, you can't say you're passionate about an incident. It's what the incident represents that would go on the list. So it wouldn't be, you know, something like the Ferguson shooting. It would be what this Ferguson shooting was about, you know, racial discrimination, racial profiling. That would be what would go on your list. So whichever ones you circled that two or three years ago were also on your radar, That's where your real passion lies. If you are in a place in your life where you're just sort of broadening your horizons, then don't worry about it. Just become aware of what currently is arousing that emotional passion. And then when you do the list two years later, you'll start to see it. This is also how you start to identify your purpose in life. Because there will be – they always define commitment as commitment – is what you remain um, present for after the passion is worn off. So this is how you define your whole purpose and, and, and path in life, too. Um, and you want to make sure that the, you remember the exercise binding the moon is not, you're not writing reactively. It is not a poem in a reaction to a specific event, although specific events may be used in the poem. So, you know, for example, I got the idea to write the executioner's song because of a particularly horrific execution of a man who, after he died, was proven innocent. I mean, within weeks after he died. Um, I didn't choose to write about the injustice of his death. That would have been a very different poem. I didn't choose to write anything that particularly slammed the death penalty. I chose to write about the sway execution can have over society whether you agree with it or not whether you like it or not it's present and it has an effect you know and that all changed the types of metaphor that I and symbolism that I was using so once you have that list of what you're passionate about choose just one that you think you can relate to the title this is the next part and this is where Poems are are made or broken when it comes to being effective When writing for a cause or writing to reach beyond. And that is you have to decide who your audience is going to be. Are you going to be, you know, preaching to the choir? Or are you going to be talking to a, a challenge? And that's the audience who may not even be aware of your cause. You know the choir is everyone that already agrees with you the symbolism is going to be specific to the instances you can you can call on more specific details that like people in the know who are familiar with it well they're going to recognize it you know like um ferguson if you're writing about racism you're going to write about taylor alessandra if you're writing about transgender violence and lgbt discrimination you're going to write about Sarniaz if you're writing about Terrorism and extremism, you know, just even throwing those names, uh, using any symbolism, visual symbol tied with those, you know, people and incidences are immediately going to trigger backstory in people's heads who are in your choir. So it's like a shortcut you can use, but it's only effective with people who are already generally going to agree with what you're going to say. So now, what you also want to remember is that when you choose the choir as your audience, this is a very important audience to have, and I'll get to that in a little bit. So from within these very specific instances, you're going to draw the symbolism that is recognized craft your metaphor. Remember that your title and key phrase is binding the moon. Now, binding can mean many different things. It can be tying two things together to strengthen them, or tying things together together to restrict them, or tying one thing alone so it cannot move. Now, here's just something to think about when it comes to imagery about binding. Just about everyone listening is probably familiar with the historical practice of the Chinese foot binding. Um, It was awful, awful practice done for just strange reasons, mostly fashion. Um, but for the first time ever, and this was recently, you can still find it on the BBC magazine, the last few surviving women who had their feet bound were interviewed. The one common thing they said was that we were so poor, it was the only thing that made us stand out. And it had increased our chances of getting noticed, getting married, and getting out of poverty now that was true until the practice went out of style and, the, and when later was persecuted by the Communist Party. It started as a fashion of the very rich to show that they had servants that didn't have to walk anywhere, and it was adopted by the very poor you know as an enticement that they were valuable to have. If you notice, one of the recurring themes is the concept of how valuable the individual is. So when you're, you're preaching to the choir, you know, the, the, the thing is, within all of our instances that raise our passion, there is a deeply personal emotion and desire represented. There's something hidden in there. You're not just reacting to somebody blowing something up or blowing up the Boston Marathon. You're not reacting to, you know, a white officer gunning down somebody who was wanted on fraud. You know there's something behind that you the person are reacting to it's making you feel something and that is very important to know everything that happens to you makes you feel something and what you feel may not be related to what happened you may have someone who surprise you pop out of the brand new car and give you a check for a hundred thousand dollars and you'll get angry and the anger that comes out of that is coming from someplace else that what happened has triggered in you so you have to unravel your emotions tied to your cause so when you are preaching to the choir you know, you're talking to, you're writing this poem for people who are going to agree to you. You want more than just amen. You want more than people to think, oh, that's fabulous, I agree with you. You want to deepen their commitment to a, the cause by helping to reveal to them what that very emotion and desire is, because chances are you all share it. You know, one of the best ways to do this is to look at your own emotion and desire When this passion touches, you know, use it to build the imagery that will connect with others that are already there with you. If you don't know what it is, think about how the topic makes you feel in your body. You know, where does Ferguson hurt? In your head? In your stomach? Does it make all your muscles tense? You know, that's what you want to find out because that shows you why it hits you so hard, why you're so passionate about it. You know, if it makes your head hurt and brings you down, your sense of justice is offended. If it turns your stomach, then you are responding physically to a fear of the the pain and suffering being shared by you. If your muscles are tensing, then it's fight or flight. You are either in fear of your life, it reminds you of the daily fear you are in for your life, or you are angry because it's a reminder of how daily you feel angry about this type of situation. So now, I'm going to play for you an example of a poem that is written um, to the choir. But before I do that, some of the best choir music, so to speak, for social justice right now is found in rap music. If you've never learned anything about the poetic structure of rap music, I really recommend that you spend some time on YouTube and go to a channel, and this is all one word, How to Rap DVD. They have like a four-video series. It's a tutorial that breaks down the poetic rap structure so you can understand it better. So when you listen, even if you don't like rap music, you'll start to tell who's very good and who is not at all. Um, So I'm going to play for you, and this this is the Speaking to the Choir. I'm going to play for you an example of a poem written to the choir. It comes from one of the rap groups that's considered to be the best social justice rap group around. This song is all about the high numbers of minorities in prisons and racial inequality in the justice system. So here is a brief clip from the group, The Roots, performing uh, just a part of Don't Feel Right.
7: Listen, the money missing in his mouth. He get the brain kicking, think another thousand things. Remember back in the days when the kitchen had eggs and pancakes, chicken and cream and Kool-Aid. When the refrigerator necked and then the cupboards bare. People got the flip neck and stick him up in the air. Wasn't lies when he told you wasn't nothing to fear. Something don't feel right out here. Now I'm saying,
6: My main
5: adversary give me silly
9: So now if you if you see as you listen to that, um there's a lot of symbolism and metaphor in there that's very particular to an experience. And this experience is shared by a lot of people, but it's still a limited group. It's This poem is going to reach the choir, but it reaches the choir and it gets them, it renews their interest in staying with the cause, and that's why it is so important. Now, the flip side of this is when you choose to speak to the challenge audience. The challenge is people who may not even have heard of the problem, you know, or they may not care. They may not think it's important. So how do you write something that gets people to open a door to at least find out more to consider. You know? So if you pick the challenge as your audience, everything gets different. You can't lose sight of the choir and the drive of emotion and desire. But now you have to reach people who may not even have this cause on their radar. You can't shout at them. You have to convince them. And here is what is most important about this audience and what you create for them. You can't... You cannot, and I'll say this a third time, you cannot win them over by telling them something is wrong. You have to relate to them something that they will hear and the images and meanings sink in rather than being immediately recognizable. So you have to, you can't just come out and say, well, you see this? This is wrong, and you're a bad person for not recognizing this, because if somebody isn't isn't even on someone's radar, they're going to shut down on you. So instead, you go, look at this, and you paint a picture. You tell a story. Choir, actually, let me change that. Speaking to the choir, you'll tell more of a story. When you're speaking to the challenge, you're painting more of a picture. The story that you tell is a little bit more abstract. It's abstract to allow people to find themselves within it that may not feel they have the same experience. You know, So you're, you're creating the snapshot image in their heads that you're writing for the challenge, it can be very visual, and you have to find a way, and this is another very important thing that you really need to remember, you have to find a way to place your words in their body. And I'm going to repeat that again. Place your words in their body. Now, as poets, when we first start writing poetry, it's all about our body. How are we feeling? And, you know, we're writing the poetry, especially if you talk to, you know, when somebody who's writing poetry because of something awful that happened, you know, they're writing because nobody else has experienced it. And that is true. No one else experiences anything the way that you do. But all... People experience the same emotions, and in most cases, they feel the emotions in the same place in their body. This doesn't mean that you always have to write like you're writing a medical description, but it's the concept. Your words must reflect what happens in your body. Memories get stored in your body, they get stored in odd places. Where are they stored in you? Well, that might be where they are in someone else, too. Not the same memory, but a similar one. We are, in essence, all the same person. We just have different experiences. You know, that's why we can connect. We can have altruistic moments. We can be charitable and compassionate and care about strangers because we recognize, you know, take take the, the old phrase, There but for the grace of God go I. You know, there but for my circumstances or my experiences am I. When you write for the challenge, you are writing for you with another life. So the same way that you use identifying how you physically feel to identify the emotions is what you're going to reverse to win over the challenge. These people aren't going to relate to you talking about how you feel and what you think. They're going to respond to someone talking about how they feel and how they think, which is a subtle act that takes practice to achieve. You know, one of the best places to find it is just watch commercials. They are masters at presenting how you feel, you know, or what you want. You know, you can learn, a poet can learn from everything. You know, an example... Here's an example, and this is a very um, cut and dry example of what it means to write your words into somebody else's body. This poem actually uses body imagery and all body references so that, you know, the reader can connect to what this writer is talking about. Um, And this, this poem was actually part of a body of work that was a result in the poet winning a Nobel Prize. Um, that is probably one of the ways that you can tell if you've been successful at reaching your challenge audience because it means people that even don't read poetry are reading you. They are connecting. Your cause, your topic is reaching people who would never give it a second thought. I mean, that's an extreme, but there's, there's other ways to do that. You know, this poem is about torture, totalitarian regimes, oppression and injustice it is quite simply called tortures. and it's by Wislawa Szymborska and listen to the difference in the word choices and imagery whereas the roots for going for a direct experience located in one specific outside place Wislawa is speaking
11: to a Set of Experiences Located Inside the Body. Viswava the Zimborska Tortures. Nothing has changed. The body is susceptible to pain. It must eat and breathe air and sleep. It has thin skin and blood right underneath. An adequate stock of teeth and nails. Its bones are breakable. Its joints are stretchable. In tortures, all this is taken into account. Nothing has changed. The body shudders as it shuddered before the founding of Rome and after. In the twentieth century, before and after Christ, tortures are as they were. It's just the earth that's grown smaller. And whatever happens seems right on the other side of the wall. Nothing has changed. It's just that there are more people. Besides the old offenses, new ones have appeared. Real, imaginary, temporary, and none. But the how with which the body responds to them was, is, and ever will be a howl of innocence according to the time-honored scale and tonality. Nothing has changed. Maybe just the manners, ceremonies, dances. Yet the movement of the hands and protecting the head is the same. The body writhes, jerks, and tries to pull away. Its legs give out. It falls. The knees fly up. It turns blue, swells, salivates, and bleeds. Nothing has changed. Except for the course of boundaries. The line of forests, coasts, deserts, and glaciers, amid these landscapes traipses the soul, disappears, comes back, draws nearer, moves away, alien to itself, elusive, at times certain, at others uncertain of its own existence, while the body is, and is, and is and has no place of its own. So that is, what I've given you now, is I
9: gave you the roots, and I gave you something from Wizwala, Wigloa, and they are the epitome of preaching to the choir, and speaking to the challenge audience. Now, what do you gain and lose with each? Now, you know, when you make your decision, after you know what your passion is and your cause, when you decide which audience you're going to write for, which is better? Well, the, the, the truth is that one audience choice isn't better than another. When you are dealing with causes, you need both approaches, you know, because you need the people who are already there to stay there and keep the motivation and keep their heart in it. And then you need to come over and you have to get more people aware of the cause that you are addressing. You know, so you do need to do both, and it's always a wonderful exercise to, like, take Binding the Moon and write one for the choir and one for your general audience. You know, what you have to watch out for, because, you know, I gave you two of the the top-of-the-line examples now, so you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an example of something that almost but didn't quite make it either way. (laughs) Um, What you have to watch out for is getting the waters muddied. this happens when you take a poem written to be for a challenge audience and then structure it so it only appeals to a narrow group or vice versa. You know, um, when I was in the Army, I spent three years in a combat zone. Um, One of the songs that came out during that time, because you get very music-driven when you're in the Army in combat. It's amazing. You know, um, it's, one of the few things I think the movies that write about the wars is that it is driven by music. Um, one of the songs we just could not get enough of was called Home of the Brave. It spoke to us on a very personal level, and we did share it, you know, as a group. It held everything about the combat experience that you just can't get if you haven't been there. So that is huge brownie points for the choir i mean home of the brave spoke to the choir that we were already there now the the issue was the song was written about combat the experience of combat but it was kind of meant to be sort of an anti-war song now as an active soldier in combat you don't tend to listen to a lot of anti-war songs maybe you do a little bit but what got us was the experience. It was a non judgmental presentation of the experience. Okay, so now the choir has now lost the point because now the intention is not reaching the correct choir. You know, we're not hearing it the way the people intended it to be written. So when I came back, what I found out was that this song, this it was supposed to be an anti war song, um, had very limited play here. Um, But it was very strong among a certain group, and they were mostly, you know, mid-college kids kind of thing. And they read it. They had no connection to the wars or any wars or anything. That was just news items they buzzed through. But they read it kind of as a sad breakup song. So it's this song has a lot of the lyrics have tremendous amounts of potential, but it doesn't quite get it right. And part of the reason is... Instead of looking for, you know, imagery that relates to the body or imagery that relates to a shared experience, they went for cliches and slogans. What you'll hear, if you're of a certain age, you'll remember it, is take the train to the plane. And that was a slogan in New York City. So here is the almost but not quite um, good <laughs> poem for a cause. Um, this is... The Nails performing Home of the Brave.
0: Oh, God of Hell,
7: I said, I love the scene that the devil gave me to where they were. Where the whores are dancing on the table and the jukebox plays apocalyptic a buck on
9: really good example of an almost but not quite very good poem about a cause it didn't quite make it to the choir or the choir it was intended to and it didn't quite you know interest people who weren't connected that challenge audience now that's the way poetry writing goes you not everything you write is good that's a, that's a fact of life. But you have to learn to respect what you write, good or not. Because 10 to 1, if it's not good right now, it's just because you don't have the skills right now to do it the way it needs to be done. And you do not ever, there are three things you should never, ever do as a person or as a writer. You should never give up Two. You should never think you can't make a difference. And number three is most important of all, you should never not try. If you want to get better at writing, you must write. I'm going to tell you something. I I mention this in all my workshops. When you hear people talk about writer's block, there is no such thing as writer's block. You either are writing or you're not. What most people interpret as writer's block is when they sit down to write, they're not writing what they think they should be writing. It's not coming out as well as they think it should be coming out. Well, just get it out. Stay in the practice of writing. If you're not writing, you're not writing. It's that simple, you know? It can be very hard, especially as your responsibilities grow and life happens, to maintain, to protect the time you need to write, but you have to find a way to do it send yourself text message, email yourself. All you have to do is keep little words and phrases, carry a book with you, anything, and eventually all of that catches up to you and poetry will come out of it. Now, I'm gonna, I, just to put some things in time reference, the very first piece we played, The Roots, um, which sounds very timely today, that was written in 2005. Tortures was written in the 70s. Uh, Home of the Brave was like a 90s thing, but there, there are some examples of poetries written for social justice that were done so well, they literally ring today. And no matter where you read them or to whom you read them, even if they don't, aren't familiar with the specific text of the items, they are understood and they are proof, 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 that poetry can change the world the first example i'm going to read i'm just going to read to you just four four or five lines of it six lines um... is not only all of that fabulousness wrapped up it is also an example of perfect perfect iambic pentameter you can go get out your books uh, figure out that one i've never mastered that Um, So this is perfect iambic pentameter. As far as skilled poetry, it's phenomenal. As far as a poem that effectively changed the world, it did. It is relevant today. We cite about it all the time. So this is Thomas Jefferson's small verse written in perfect iambic pentameter. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now that is the opening to the declaration of independence. And it isn't a reach to say that's perfect iambic pentameter, because what you don't realize is when I said that the plays used to be written as poems, most of the, the um, introductions to legal documents, to diplomatic documents, were also written as poetry because they are designed to be orally repeated and easily remembered. You know, we don't do this anymore. Now you can't even read, you, would, you can't even breathe to one sentence of the way stuff is written now. But it was, the Declaration of Independence was written as poetry, the introduction to it, so that it could be memorized so it could be written within the body of everybody in america and in everybody who heard it that is why it is so powerful and so relevant the next one is um i'm going to read to you that's another perfect example it's very very short Um it's by a.e. hausman and a.e. hausman is known for it fluctuates what he's known for but one of the primary things he was known for in the eighteen hundreds was he was a child work worker advocate he really wanted um, the child workers the rules to be changed changed because they were basically slaves when they came in and he worked a great deal for worker independence and rights and this is his into my heart an air that kills into my heart an air that kills from yon far country blows what are those blue remembered hills? What spires, what farms are those? That is the land of lost content. I see it shining plain. The happy highways where I went and cannot come again. No matter who you read this to, you know he's talking about somebody in a city remembering the country where they came from and the freedom of that country and the cleanliness of it. He's not in this poem directly saying, you know, the child working laws, labor laws have got to be changed. It's awful. He's not showing me a child slaving at a loom. He's showing me what it's like to, to miss something to desire something, he is showing me what it is like to feel trapped. And this is why this poem was considered hugely effective in the passing of legislation to change the child labor laws in the 1800s. So back to the, the exercise, Binding the Moon. So now you know a little bit more about how to start selecting your imagery and language for your poem. So you start with your story or image, write it down in full prose like paragraphs, so you know all the details before writing the poem. Anytime you write a poem about something, just write it out like a diary entry. You know, that's not the poem. You just want to get everything out so you can see it on paper because it prompts more from you. That's why. As you start writing it out, you'll fill in the gaps you hadn't realized were there. Then you're going to learn how to edit. Learning to edit is essential between for any poem. Um, for this style, you go between the prose and the poems, make sure you have said all the things you wanted to say in the best way possible. And you want to edit to bring emotion forward, not to push it away. Edit with rhythm, rhyme, and style in mind, and that keeps your emotion lively. Do not edit for word choice until the end. And when you choose a word, it better be cho- chosen for rhythm, rhyme, and style reasons because very often we can get a little too fancy with our word choices and it will kill a poem if it doesn't carry itself through in the actual rhythm. It's okay to use a word that people don't you know, readily understand as long as you change that rhythm enough so they have an idea of what it means and they keep going forward and they'll look it up later. They will. I trust me, I use enough words like that and people do look them up. You want to edit for continuity. Check and make sure that every time you describe something, you describe it again in the same way. You also want to play with foreshadowing and learn to switch time frames in the poem, too. You know, that's a tricky thing to go backwards and forwards in time in a poem. The foreshadowing can cover a lot of ground, suggest something in a sentence, and fill it out later. And that literally can create a very tight poem that everybody gets. Uh, but it's going to be that word choice that's going to allow people to let things they don't understand slide because they trust they'll know later. Um, you want to edit the symbolism. Circle every metaphor symbol you use in that poem and make sure it matches your intended audience. You know, when um, the nails are talking about uh, God of Hell, how I love the suit that the devil gave me to wear in Beirut, every person I was with, knew exactly what they were talking about. The average person on the street is not going to know. You know, the same thing with the roots. The roots, every single symbol and metaphor the roots chose matches their choir audience. And every symbol that Wislawa chose matched her challenged audience. Then, this is important, you need to edit for reading for speaking. This is very, very, very important. And this is when places like the Speakeasy Cafe really work to your advantage. When you write a poem, there are two different versions of it. There is the one that is read from a piece of paper, and then there is the one that is heard. Do not just think that you can read a poem you have written down. It's going to, the way words are heard are come in differently to the listener than the way they are heard in the head of someone who is reading. So you really need to create two different versions of your poem. And the last thing is to, to get feedback. Call in and read your version of Binding the Moon. You know, don't tell us what it's about, but let the audience tell you what they hear. You know, they are the best source of editing feedback you can have. And let let them say, you know, because you all got the same title, Binding the Moon, So nobody knows what anybody's writing about. So let's see if we can know or if we can get close enough to it to let you gauge how successful you've been. And don't be afraid to to write and rewrite. This type of poetry is very different from personal poems or narrative poems. I mean, you should also look online for different groups that solicit poetry related to specific causes. Off the, the top of my head... There's a very lively group on Facebook about uh, poets writing about SB 1070, um, and it has expanded the cause to really cover that. Um, and above all else, as a writer of anything, you must remember to treat your ideas like children. Nurture them. Love them. Tell them No when it's in their best interest, and then give them all the help they need to make their dreams come true when that's what it needs to be. Everything you think, everything you feel, everything you write down is vital to every person in the world because every individual in the world is necessary. You are valid what you feel, what you think is valid and it is important. The world can't go forward or backward without everybody participating. So please get that shoebox and keep the stuff that didn't quite work out. Because when you're writing every day, because you no longer have writer's block, you just write and sometimes it works out and most of the time it doesn't. You keep it because you'll know when you've learned something that lets you go back to a past idea and make it real. You know, to end this, um, I did want to ask you there's two things. One, I wanted to ask you, knowing about now about the choir and knowing about the challenge audience, I want you to think about that first poem of mine that you heard, the execution of the song. I already told you, oh, it's one awards and blah, 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 blah. But do you think? First of all, which audience do you, I kind of told you per which audience do you think I was trying to write for? And how successful do you think I was? And you feel free to, to you know, hit me up in the chat room and, and tell me right here and now because a part of being a poet is being able to listen to feedback. You know, if I'd gotten that poem perfect oh, my goodness, I'd never have to write about that subject again. Now would I? But I do, because even I know it's not what it could be. But it always helps to have good constructive feedback. So now I'm going to leave you with another poem that's um, also in the same group, Traveling with the Executioner's Song. And this is one that's written about domestic violence. And I want you to think again about which audience and this one you have no pre-knowledge about I'm just telling you it's about domestic violence that I will tell you I'm giving that away but I want you to try, try and decide which audience am I speaking to is this the choir or the challenge and how well did I do it so I'm going to close by playing Striking a Match
12: Striking a Match Hold oh, so. it promises many things. If I have chosen to pour gasoline on myself, on others, on things, then the promises of destruction that will have no no meaning. meaning, meaning,
0: meaning.
12: For no two people shifting me where the ash shall agree. And why I struck the flame. Houses will be left without them. People will be chosen to blame. And if anything of me is that of me, me 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 that will be examined. And not believe. the nature of destruction. is to destroy oh, man. Oh, man. striking a match holds the promise of many things if that match sparks a flame that flares to a candle then the smallest part of life is entrapped with flickering boundaries it's borders are for the waves of night. And change. In that small circle of light, vision lacks clarity. And life. Has a substance of substance, as a substance, substance. And no two people shall agree. for the nature of flames and fire is to disappear.
0: Striking a match holds the
12: promise of many things. If that match falls on wood pile, just so, then flame beats fire. Light cannot help but be cast. Reveal what has been. Yet fires by nature consume. being consumed. This is steady. To nothing. Left. 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 Now a left. One person can survive. In darkness. Oh, okay. For each and all are beyond their control. In striking the match, there is a promise.
1: Welcome to the Inkwell, brought to you by the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show. The Inkwell is a how-to show designed for writers to help them advance in their writing careers. So you've written something, now what? That's what we're here to tell you. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the Inkwell, a writing workshop brought to you by the Speakeasy Cafe Open Mic Poetry Show. I am really excited about being able to do this tonight. I've been wanting to put these, this one together uh, for quite a while. And uh, so I'm really excited. We're going to have a couple special guests joining us in a little bit, but I'll get to that in just a moment. I want to make sure that you have everything that you need and ready to participate in the workshop tonight. So you want to make sure that you have – and I don't want you doing on this, this on the computer, please. Have a paper and pencil or a notepad, a, a spiral notebook, sheets of paper, whatever, and a pen in front of you because I want you to write this stuff down. Now, the way this workshop is going to be put together is we are going to be going step-by-step step through the construction of a poem. All right, so by the time the episode is over, you will have a finished poem. So I want to make sure you have a paper and pencil, all right, so that you can write down the instructions. Now, the way that this workshop is going to be set up is you are going to be, I'm going to be walking you through a set of instructions. And then when it comes to the time when you should be writing, we're going to take a minute and 45-second break, giving you time to write down the things that you'll be able to write down. But it's also designed... So that you can come back and listen to it in the archives. So if you want to just sit and hang out and listen to the entire episode and not do the writing at this point, that's fine, all right? Because when the show goes into the archives, you can come back and go through step-by-step. And when we get to the music portion, you can pause the show, write everything that you need to write down, and then start the show up again so you can go at your own pace. That way you're not pressured to get it done in the minute and 45 seconds because, in all honesty, it's probably going to take you a little bit longer than that. All right, with that said, it's going to be a really fun night tonight. I am really, like I said, I am really excited about doing this. It's one of my favorites to do. This actually comes from a workshop that I teach called Writer's Block is Just an Urban Legend. It's like the boogeyman. If you don't believe in it, it can't get you. However, there is such a thing as writer quicksand, and these are... Pits that we create for ourselves. We impose these unrealistic demands on ourselves as writers. When we don't meet them, we let our feet sink deeper and deeper into these traps. You get busy with life and you don't write a new poem for a month, and instantly you blame it on writer's block instead of allowing yourself your humanity and realizing that life happens and that's okay. You have to remember you are always a writer. Even when you're not writing, there is no definition of the word writer that reads you must produce a poem every day. Another pit we create for ourselves is when we sit and stare at a blank piece of paper and get frustrated when this amazing poem does not pop out of our head and spill all over the paper. Creativity does not always work that way. Sometimes it needs a primer. One of the reasons I give out homework, writing assignments, prompts, and exercises on the show is to put you out of your comfort zones and get you writing. Writing anything, it doesn't matter. It's to get you out of the thinking that every time you put your pen to paper, you have to create a masterpiece. And that's simply not the case. As a writer, you want to develop good writing habits, and one of them is to write something, and write something every day. I said something, not necessarily a poem, just something. It's why I encourage you to carry a journal with you, carry a notebook with you, a notepad. Always have paper and pencil on you. When a thought pops in your head, stop and write it down, and don't think, oh, I'll come back and write it later, because you'll forget. You'll never do it, and it'll be gone forever. Take the two seconds you need to write it down. What it does is put your hand to paper. And in doing so, it keeps that creative side of your brain active, thinking, working, creating. Think about a little boy who keeps running up to Daddy with a baseball in his hand. Daddy, Daddy, will you play catch with me? And the Daddy's busy and sends a little boy off with a not right now. Every time that little guy runs up to him, it's always the same, another excuse. And each time he is sent off, a little more crestfallen. Pretty soon he has learned not to ask anymore. This example comes from a workshop I do called Stop Pissing Off Your Muse. There's nothing worse than your muse giving you the silent treatment. If you don't listen to this creative side of yourself, you become the daddy in this example, and pretty soon that creative side of you becomes less vocal. We blame that on writer's block when it is something we ourselves have lain the trap for and fallen into. But it's easier to blame our muses than ourselves, right? Breaking that cycle is the easiest thing in the world to do. How? Write. Write something. Write something every day anything. It doesn't matter. Put your pen on paper. Take a couple of moments to listen to your creative side. Think of that little boy. If daddy had have said, son, I'm busy right now and I don't have much time, but I've got five minutes. And for five minutes, he throws the ball with his son and then hugs him and says, daddy has to get back to work right now. Think how differently that scenario would play out. Think what a different reaction he would have with his son. It's the same thing with ourselves. How we treat ourselves, the things we tell ourselves are important, is no different. You are the father and you are the son. And what message do you send yourself? If a random thought pops into your head, do not wait. Take two seconds and write it down. It's important. There are a lot of things like this that we'll be covering in future workshops. But in today's, we are going to do a poem workshop where in the end you will have a finished piece. When you set your pen to paper, do not be the tyrant and expect your muses to perform on command like, like Salome doing the Dance of the Seven Veils. You know, Well, we all know how that turned out and it wasn't pretty. Instead, have things to do while you wait for the – have some, have different things that you can provoke yourself with while you're waiting for that bolt of lightning to come crashing down from the heavens with that masterpiece that just seems to write itself. I mean, stop putting pressure on yourself, guys, and remember how much fun it is just to play with words, how much fun it is to have fun with them, and that's what we're going to do now. For this workshop, you're going to need a paper and pen, like I said, and please, once again, use a paper and pen. You write differently. Trust me on this. You write differently when you write on paper than you do when you type. You actually think differently. Writing on paper is slower. What you produce will be better. I'm going to walk you through eight steps, and for each step of this exercise, you're going to give at least six descriptive sentences, abstract thoughts, fragments of ideas. You can write more than six if you want, and I encourage you to do so. The more, the better. And the reason for this is when you think of a thought, the things floating on the surface are the easiest things to scoop up, the obvious answers. The more you write, the deeper inside yourself you have to go the more personal and the more emotional things you're going to find, the things that you write are going to be much deeper so don't go for the easy answers. push yourself to think harder, close your eyes when you're answering these and think, visualize smell, touch taste and you 'll understand as I go through this. really look for those deep answers don 't grab the easy ones all right so I was told never to start out a poem with the word I because it immediately turns off the reader and it makes it hard to connect with a poem. And I really got to thinking about this. I mean, you know, know the rules and then break them, right? So how do we break the I rule? The only way is to write something so personal that the reader is pulled into the words and they can place themselves inside them. They become the I. You can only do this with very strong and emotional concrete imagery or very Raw and emotional contact through the words. So, once again, the more examples you write, the more of this strong type of imagery. You will find. The more you write, the more deeply emotional responses to the question will surface. All right, so before we get started, we have two special guests who are going to help me with today's workshop. All right, so I am going to bring them on. We have Stan and George with us hey tonight. Mama. Would you guys like to introduce yourself to everyone?
13: This is Stan from Alabama, and this is George from Michigan. <laughs>
1: All right, guys. So I'm really, really excited that you agreed to do this assignment with me and to do this workshop. You know, it's been fun getting it coordinated, but I have to tell you guys, you are just troopers because we've done this on pretty short notice. So I appreciate both of you guys being here. So, Stan, I want to start with you, and I want you just, you know, for the sake of those who may be listening who have not met you yet, would you? Tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about yourself as a poet before we get started.
13: I sure will. Well, I am uh, a retired blue collar worker, <laughs> moved here to Alabama. Back in 1990, I was originally from California. Uh, I got into poetry just about maybe four years ago, and it has just pretty much basically become a very major part of my life. I've uh, been, of course, on NILA's Speakeasy Cafe, spoken Word, also on World Poetry Open Mic, uh, Poetry in the Law, Uh, When Sinister Spittle was broadcasting, I was there. Um, I'm a part of the Outlaw Poetry Group. Got a group out there called Friends of Word, Wisdom, Wonder, and Wit, and that's pretty much it. (laughs) Perfect. Okay, I'm George. I spent 37 years in a a corporate office. Retired from there to relate. Then I uh, I had education to teach college. I taught history at a community college for 12 years and since then have retired. I didn't pick up poetry until about a little over two years ago when a local, when I saw the ad for a local poetry club in the town I now live in, joined up, and uh, it's become like sand, it's become a big part of my happiness, and I'm still learning to write. I had bits and pieces of writing over the years, but I didn't, uh, I didn't write poetry seriously in any way, and, and I'm not, still not sure i reach reached the serious level, but um, I, I am eager about it. I have a, a little uh, part of my Facebook is a poetry site, and I'm also uh, entering a few contests and I'm a member of allfletcher.com and I'm eager to be here and I'm glad to be helping out with Alan Stan.
1: Well, I am really glad that you are both here and you know, it's really funny because until we really started talking the last couple of days and getting this workshop set up, I had forgotten how long the two of you have been writing and it really amazes me that you've only been writing for as long as you have because you both are exceptional writers and that's the reason I asked you to participate in this workshop with me. Both of you use very good solid concrete images and so I, I thought that you would do very well with this and it was kind of funny i don't remember which one of it you uh, i was talking to this morning but i said that it didn't matter how long you've been writing if you're a poet now you've always been a poet it's just taken you that long to put your pen to paper so it doesn't matter how long you've been writing you've always been a poet you've always had the poet's soul and i truly believe that so you both are here with me tonight on your own merit i think you're incredible writers and i'm very proud and excited That you're going to be doing this with me.
0: Well, I am
13: too.
1: (laughs) Yay, group hug.
13: (laughs) There we go. All
1: right, so you guys ready to get started?
13: Oh, yeah, I am.
1: All right. So, first, once again, we are doing a writer's workshop called I Am, and we're breaking the I rule. Don't start a poem with the word I. We're going to be breaking that rule. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you each a question. There's going to be eight of them. And then I'm going to play some music, and while I'm playing the music, I want you guys to write down your answers to the questions. And you have to write at least six descriptive sentences, abstract thoughts, fragments of ideas. And don't worry about the structure, because you can edit at the end of this later, if you want to. The idea is just to get as many thoughts on paper as you can relating to the questions that I ask you. Once we're done with the questions, I'll be giving you the formula or the structure that you'll need to create the poem. Sound good?
10: Okay.
13: I'm on board.
1: (laughs) Awesome. All right, so let's get started. So everyone have your paper and pen ready, and I'm going to give you guys the first question, and then as soon as I give you the question, go ahead and start writing. I'm going to play a piece of music that's going to last for one minute and 45 seconds. So you've got a minute and 45 seconds to write down as many ideas and thoughts and abstract ideas and all that good stuff as you can, all right? So to start out this with, I want you to think of we all have a place that we're rooted to. You've had a bad day or you've been in a fight with your girlfriend or you're just feeling a little antsy. It's the full moon. I don't know what. But we all have some place that we go that is very special to us. All right, I want you to think of that place that you run away to. And you'll see an example later when we get to the end of this. I'm going to use the example of the ocean. The ocean is one of the places that I run away to that's my secret alone place. I have a beach that I go to that's a pretty secluded place. It's not a real well-known or tourist attraction type of place and usually when i go there i'm i'm pretty much alone and i can wander and walk and think and it's my secret special place that i go to reconnect with myself we all have a place for that for some of us it might be our backyard you know for some of us it might be going to the mountains it might be whatever but i want you to think of that place that you have that deep emotional connection to that's your place of solace your sanctuary where you go to re-energize yourself where you run away to when the world's being mean when you just need to have that time think of that place and i want you to write that down at the top of the paper i want you to think of that place and i want you to write down all the things you love about that place all the things that are important to you why does it? Ha- why do you have an emotional connection to that place? What is waiting for you there? What's waiting to greet you? What What is it that's amazing and special about that place that calls to you? I want you to write down everything that you can think of to describe that place. So we are going to play our minute and forty five second music bed, and starting now. There we go Okay Did you guys get stuff written?
13: Yes Yes I got awesome. uh, five or six things written
1: Great Alright For number two The second question is I want you to write down Your favorite season there Alright Write down all the things you love About your favorite season And if it's like an indoor place, if it's the library or something, your favorite time of day, your favorite season, your favorite time of day, I want you to write about, you know, how the weather or the time of day affects it. Um, How does it make you feel? How does the things around it react? Anything that has to do with the season or the time in your favorite place. So you'll want to write down about six descriptive abstract answers about how the season affects your favorite place what it looks like how does it feel how does the weather affect it or the time affect it all right you ready to go oh yeah all right here we go minute 45 seconds Close down Oh, it makes me feel like teacher <laughs> Don't make me throw the eraser at you <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: All right Number three I want you to imagine yourself In this special place I want you to close your eyes And inside your mind I want you to look around Imagine yourself there Look to your right And look to your left I want you to write down All the things you see Describe them Describe what you see What are your surroundings like And remember, you know, use abstract sentences Abstract thought You're not trying to create perfection here You're just trying to get as many ideas down on paper as you can So go ahead and start So, yeah, just just write Write what you can think of
0: Let's What's do it. there with you We're on it We're on it
1: Are you ready for number four?
13: Yes, ma'am. I am.
1: (laughs) Great. So, again, and when I say close your eyes, there's a reason that I want you to close your eyes. When you're writing, if you sit there and stare at a blank piece of paper, you're staring at a blank canvas. You're, You're staring at something where there is no inspiration. But if you close your eyes when you're trying to imagine what you're writing about... All right, your brain will automatically do what your brain does and start creating images. All right, so when I say close your eyes, it's that there's a reason for that. Psychologically, human nature, is, our brains only work one way. So if you do this, it'll help you, all right? So I want you to close your eyes, and this is going to sound really crazy. I want you to close your eyes and listen. All right, if you close your eyes and picture yourself there, I want you to listen, and describe all the things that you can hear there what are all the sounds think about anything that you can possibly hear go ahead and start writing think about all the things a ticking clock, the ocean waves whatever it is, whatever you can hear write it down Are you there alone are there other living things with you now if you'll recall i already had you close your eyes and look to the left and look to the right and write down everything that was there but that's different if there's a living thing with you so is there are you absolutely alone are there other people around you is there a spider in the web in the bookshelf Um, i want you to write down if there's anything else living there with you write about what's there What's unique about them? How does it affect the place? How does it affect you? All right, go ahead and start. takes us to number six and number six is what do you smell close your eyes and put yourself there and write down everything that you smell what are all the different things that are there that you wrote down earlier what do they smell like how does it all contribute to the whole like I talked about the ocean earlier you know so salt air airbrushed on skin the tart aroma of Endless sun bleached blue You know Whatever you can think of How do all of these things smell Go ahead and start Okay Ready for number seven? Yes, we are. Um, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> All right, awesome. Number seven is touch. What do you physically feel? How are the things there? How do they affect you physically? Like, does the wind touch your skin, for example? Does the uh, the scratchy upholstery on the chair? How do the things there feel? How do they physically make you feel? All right, and uh, it can be if you're looking at something, you can feel it physically without it even touching you. You know, so kind of think about like the sun. It isn't actually touching you, but how does it make you feel? All right, physically. How how do you feel physically in this place? What are the physical effects it has on you? All right, you can go ahead and start. Finally, at number eight, the last one. Are you ready?
13: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Are you guys having fun? Wearing, Wearing I <laughs> yeah, all
13: my All right.
1: right, number eight. I want you to write all the things that being there makes you feel inside what it means to you. All right? What's empowering about it? What's, in, what's frightening about it? How does it feel to? when you plug in to recharge how do you feel when you get there you know what is the process you know the the exhale or the inhale of the place what is it that you feel when you know it's time to leave right everything emotionally the impact that place has on you spiritually uh, psychologically all of that right all the things that it makes you feel inside being there go ahead and start. Thank you. Down with your pencils. So was that fun, guys?
13: Yeah, it was. Yeah, I can't guarantee as to its quality, but it's the <laughs> quantity here.
1: Yeah. And you know, once again, this isn't about this isn't about quality. It is about quantity, and uh, the more quantity you get, trust me, the more value will be there. The more things you write, the better things you will find. You know. Th- Usually we write, you know, I always tell everyone that, you know, in our lifetimes, we're going to write a handful of great poems. And we're going to write a bunch of good poems. And we're going to write a whole buttload of crap. All right? (laughs) And that's just the truth of it. You know, the things that we write that we find floating on the surface, what usually floats on the surface, right? Where do the gems lie? They lie on the bottom. So kind of think about that when you're writing, folks. (laughs) Don't always take the easy way out when you're writing.
0: No,
13: I'm not. I'm just sitting here still working on that nice little word play you had in there with the buttload of crap.
0: That was good. <laughs>
13: well, you saw what I did there, and huh? I
0: thinking,
13: <laughs> that, and I was thinking that it hasn't taken me a whole lifetime to write some butt, a buttload of crap. It's
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: just, just, just a short
1: time. Okay. All right. So... The reason that I had all, you write down all of that stuff is because now you have a pretty impressive bank of concrete and emotional reactions to this topic, this place, this this uh, place that you've chosen. And we'll get into that. I'll, we'll talk to you guys a little bit about each of your places and stuff in just a bit. But what I want to do now is I want to give you the formula for constructing a poem out of all those sentences. How many sentences do you think you guys wrote?
13: Oh, geez, I can I'm going or to I say did. six. I'm going to write 30, oh, cool.
1: at
13: least 35, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. At least 35 or 40. Mm-hmm. Some of them are probably aren't readable.
1: Okay, so do you do you want the good news? Yeah. You're only going to use four of those lines.
0: I... <laughs> <laughs> you
13: know
0: Surprise! I, you
13: know what I thought she. You know what I thought she said, Sam. I thought she actually said we can going to only use four lines.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're only going to uh, use four of the lines you've written. <laughs> really? Okay. All right. So I want you to write this down on a piece of paper. This is the format you're going to follow when piecing your poem together. All right. The title of your poem is going to be called, I Am. The first line in the poem is going to read, I Am, and fill in the blank. The second line is going to read, I am, and fill in the blank. The third line is going to read, blank, comma, I am. The fourth line is going to read, I am, and fill in the blank. So each place there's a blank, you are going to choose out of that list of things that you just wrote. You're going to choose a sentence to fill in that blank. All right? And in those, you should have some strong enough imagery to be able to create something really powerful. All right? So once again, the structure is I am blank. I am blank. Blank, I am. And I am blank. Blank. Now, I'm going to read you an example of the one that I did just to kind of give you a heads up on how you're going to do this or how how it ends up working out and how it ends up coming together in poem form, kind of a guideline, all right? So I talked earlier about the place that I chose was the ocean. It's some place where I go that I feel so small in that I can get lost but it's so large it makes me feel a part of everything. It's just my special place. When I put this together, this is the examples I used on mine. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I am I am the quiet waters just past the breakers. I am the peaceful still where time and worldly concerns do not matter. The season of childhood and innocence, I am. I am the horizon that promises forever. All right, so that is an example of how that can be put together. So, what I am going to do is I am going to play another music bed, and this one is actually going to be just a little bit longer. Let me see if I can find it real quick. I should have had this one ready. We're going to play one by Michael Brenemus, and this piece that I'm playing, you guys, he actually listened to you guys doing the open mic one night and was so inspired by you guys being a poet, by the poems and the, the creativity that he heard here. Him being a music writer, he sat down and wrote this piece of music, wrote this song, because he was inspired by you guys, so it's pretty cool. It's three minutes and 44 seconds, so you guys have four minutes to construct your poems. Are you ready?
13: Yes. Uh, All hey.
1: right. <laughs> Here we go. This is Michael Berdimis with my own divide, and guys, right. Shortest three minutes and forty four seconds ever, wasn't it?
0: Yeah,
13: still, it's more like a minute and a half.
1: <laughs> Are you guys ready?
13: I that in that in that time period, I got a purple tunnel.
1: <laughs>
13: <Dang>.
1: <laughs> so who wants to go first? Rock paper scissors.
0: Rock. Yep. Scissors. <laughs>
1: Uh, somehow I think that I don't, I don't think that worked like it was supposed to. <laughs> well, it does work that way. So I'm leaving it up to him. <laughs>
13: now you choose. You
1: choose. Oh no! Oh no! You guys you get a pick.
13: Uh, okay, I'll start here. Uh, okay. Um,
1: so at, when you're starting, what I want you to do is I want you to tell us your location. What was your location?
13: My location was um, sitting by a lakeside uh, late uh, toward dusk in autumn.
1: Okay. All right. And so all of the things, steps we went through, all of the imagery that you wrote is all about sitting there on the lake at dusk in autumn.
13: Alone, yes,
1: yes. Okay. All right. So would you like to... Uh, would you like to read the poem to us that you constructed out of those images?
13: Yes, I would. Well, I, I will, whether I like to
0: or not. Okay. Um,
13: yes, um, I am. I am alone on a lakeside at dusk as autumn approaches with the sun leaning towards its daily dismissal. I am in my cedar chair of serenity watching the migration of colors pasted by the clouds onto the mirrored waters as a fallen, leaf, a fallen leaf floats bobbing at the sky. Using all my senses with privy to the cooler air which strengthens me and watching a small child peer off a remaining dot into his reflection, I am. I am the tremulo of a distant moon as the air grows cooler while a noisy V of geese rattles at the fading season. End of my turn.
1: Beautiful. So let me ask you this, and I'll be asking you the same thing in a moment. Let me ask you this. The imagery that you used, do you think those are things you would have if you were to sit down and write a poem about sitting there on the lakeside, do you think that those are images you would have naturally conjured up or do you think that writing this helped?
13: Oh, I think that writing it helped a lot because for one thing, I wrote a whole lot of things down and I had to quickly, with this last, with the structure um, directions, I had to quickly glean through and quickly with my pen draw lines through or circle things I thought I could use and then you know, I had—I luckily had the time um, to to conjoint to join a few of the of the images into each sentence, so I didn't just have four images. I had, you know, more. But that's something that this exercise allowed me to do. I wasn't searching for images; I already had them written. You know, and I had more than I needed, which I think is a, a, something I don't always have when I'm writing poetry.
1: Mhm. You have an arsenal to choose from. It's kind of nice. That's right. right. All right. So I have a surprise for you guys, and I'm going to be talking to you about your answers and the things that you wrote a little bit in a little bit more detail in a minute. But I actually have. You're going to be constructing a second poem. Okay. All right. So Sorry. surprise. Okay. <laughs> But let's go ahead and so be prepared. You're going to be starting that in a moment. All right, so let's go ahead, Mr. Scissors. <laughs> Mr. Scissors.
13: Uh, well. Okay. I am in winter, first time in snow. I am overwhelmed by the mountain vista's serenity and near endless space. The winds bite trees dance joining in me so deeply the fullness of nature I am I am the invisible life who exists only in tracks in the snow and mind
1: read that last line again
13: I am the invisible life who exists only in tracks in the snow and mind
1: that was awesome I really like the way that you made yourself the images. Oh you know, yeah. yeah, the way you, where you make yourself the images, where you become those things, and I think that that's really the important part of the structure of this exercise, is when I say that we're rooted in some place. There's some place that we are so spiritually connected to. Now, when you wrote about the lake. All right, can you read the first line of the lake poem again?
13: I am alone on a lake side at dusk as autumn approaches with the sun leaning toward its daily dismissal.
1: Okay, so when you wrote the I, you put yourself in the scene. I am sitting here. So you are Great. physically sitting there. What I want to see you do, and do this on, you know, you can do this later and just kind of play with this stuff. I want you to take the I am sitting out of there. And I want you to look at your concrete (coughs) images and make yourself those concrete images. So read that first sentence again.
13: I am alone on a lakeside at dusk as autumn approaches with the sun leaning toward its daily dismissal.
1: All right. So instead of I am sitting, I want you to play with the concept of I am the lakeside at dusk. Okay. All right. Because when we talk about that, when we're we're talking about these things being ingrained in you, it's part of you spiritually. It's because you're connected to them. And when you're connected to something spiritually like that, you become a part of it and it becomes a part of you. The way you talk about that lake, it is so ingrained in who you are. I mean, you can tell how passionately deep and profound what a profound impact that part of your life And that experience has had on who you are today So take the separateness between you and the place And make yourselves one So I yes. am the lake you, you Because you are When you're standing there You are part of that picture You're not separate from it I am the lakeside at dusk So kind of play with that I think that, that it will make it much more personal for you
13: Okay, I see. How just, I just, see.
1: just an idea.
13: Yes, I, I, and I'm already doing it in pencil um, on my other th- three lines. <laughs>
1: All right. So I told you guys, my dear Stan and my dear George, that mm-hmm. I'm surprising, and you have to write a second poem.
13: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <cheers. laughs>
1: Uh, you're so mean. <laughs> so,
13: uh, a teacher, can I go to the restroom? <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, wow. You this can, but if you go, you can, but if That's you go, just... we're all following you in there. <laughs> oh,
13: in, in, in that case, I can hold it.
1: Okay, in good.
0: <laughs> <I'm> <laughs>
1: So there's some really fun ways to play with this. I mean, you just went through all that work writing down all that imagery, and you only used four lines. That's got to kind of piss you off, right? So what do you do with the rest of that? So what I want you to do is I want you to, and you guys listening as well, um, with your answers you've given, you can use those same answers, and you can do the next poem. You don't want to reuse your sentences, though. Use a whole new sentence or a whole new description. If you want to take the time and write down a whole new place, think of a whole new place and write down all, go through each of those steps again. So once again, you can go back to the archives and start the show all over and walk through each of the eight steps and write down everything for a new place and construct a new poem for this you can as well, which I'm going to read you an example real quick once I give you the formula of one that I wrote, and it was actually written about a different place in the ocean that my first one was. But you can use your same description, just don't use the same sentences again. So the format for this one is basically what you're doing is you're replacing I am with you are. Okay, replacing I am with you are. Okay. All right. So an example of that, and now that you've done the first structure, all right, you can play with this a little. So the first structure is basically four verses or four lines, um, however you have your line breaks on your paper. Um, On this one, I actually added one more. So I have got, instead of saying you are on the the four lines, I did the first structure. The first structure has to stay the same. The first four lines have to follow that. But then... You can add as many more lines as you want, but you still have to follow this structure. It has to start with U-R or it has to end with U-R. All right, so if you add two more lines, that's fine, but they still have to start or end with U-R. Wow.
0: All
1: right, so this one's instead of being four verses, this one's actually five. So this one I wrote about when I was a little kid. Outside of my bedroom window, there was a huge apple tree. And when I was little, I used to wait until everybody was asleep, and I would climb out into the branches of the apple tree at night, and I would write. Okay? And so I was thinking about doing that as a child, and I actually wrote this one for my boys. I have three boys. And I actually wrote this for my children, you know, watching them as they started growing up and and thinking about them as kids and who I was as a child. So this is the one I wrote it was about the apple tree in my backyard. You are the branches of my childhood apple tree where I used to sit and write. You are the night light of the moon in dark hidden hours. That secret in-between place that confuses fireflies and stars you are. You are the cricket singing lullabies to keep the dawn at bay. You are the freedom, love, and inspiration of all things pure. All right, so that was the poem I wrote using the imagery for what I had written down for my apple tree and the UR on my chip okay. tree. All right, so I am going to play now. Do you have any questions on this part? Uh, I don't.
13: Nope.
1: Okay. So yeah, I am yeah, going I to played. play a n- What's What? Yes.
13: Instead of playing a three-minute song, can you play Stravinsky's Night Symphony so I can get no. this down? No.
1: I'm actually playing a two minute and three second song. You already know how to write the structure. Now you just have to grab your lines and throw them in there.
13: <laughs> okay.
1: All right. So here we go. We'll be back in a couple minutes, folks. Go ahead and, and write your poems down. You are blank. You are blank. Blank. You are. And you are blank. Here we go. Okay. Thank you. Ready? Oh yeah
13: Oh yeah I guess <laughs> Yeah
1: Alright Stan you get to go first this time
13: Okay I decided to go with a different season I went summer in a different place In oh, Long awesome. Beach In Long Beach California There was a place It was a boardwalk But they called it the pike And it's about summer you are the swelter of California summer and the salt of surf spray. You are the sweaty mobs, the scent of hot dogs, cotton candy, fish, and suntan lotion. bumps of people in lines, rides, concession stands, roar of the roller coaster, gulls hovering, awaiting opportunity. You are. You are the swimmers and sunbathers, music, bells, and laughter. The
1: pipe.
14: That's
1: it. <laughs> I really love, I really love the imagery in that one because you're talking. I mean, some of the things you're talking about are awesome, but at the same time, it's you know, it, it's just like a whole modgepodge of things bombarding your sense, senses all at once. It's very well written. That so I'm impressed for that being done so quickly.
13: Yeah, that was really good. Great job, Stan. Oh, thank you, George. Oh, it, it, it's quite an exercise.
1: Okay, George. It is.
13: Okay, I stayed with the same place, the uh, Lakeside uh, Dusk in Autumn, and I just uh, changed the uh, followed your structure rules, and uh, it's, it's you are. You are the quieting waters as humans flee to traffic and noise, leaving the lake vacant for autumn schemes. You are the birds taking over the empty airways, winging to your evening destinations while a painted turtle breaks the surface below. Donning long sleeves and a hat so as to better see the larger fish reach the surface you are. You are Venus appearing after sunset first and foremost in the western summer sky, pulling the canopy of later stars over you, and bidding summer adieu That's the end
1: that was beautiful, beautiful beautiful, beautiful closing line.
13: love that image Thank you, thank you. Don't give it credit to me, give it to the lake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you guys what what was the experience of doing this like for you? Especially, you know, I kind of threw it at you and you it was kinda you know, you've had to do this very quickly and and you know, helter skeltery, but um, you know, what was this like to do this exercise? What have you learned? What have you felt? Tell me all.
0: <laughs> well, I'll be honest
13: with you. With so much Detailed structure, it can easily move you out of any sense of brevity. Now, with the formula, you have a sense of some brevity. But if you were just to take those eight steps and do that, and then formulate whatever poem from that, it could be an epic. Mm hmm. Okay. Yes, and I, I concur with what Stan says. I also was going to say that I don't have the best penmanship. So reading something I've just scribbled without falling all over it um, was a challenge for me. Um, on the good side uh, is that, um, again, I had, because I didn't change the subject, you know, my destination place, I didn't change mm-hmm. it. So I didn't have to think new imagery like Stan did. And um, and when I did, again, I had the benefit of the little arsenal of lines so that I sort of scratched through quickly. So um, I think this method actually might apply to poems I read in the future, at least some of them, uh, because I'll simply write down a, a, a truckload of stuff, and I'll have more time than a few minutes you gave us i will write, write a whole box of them, and then I'll sit through them and I think probably some boards do that anyway um picking the better images and the quick. now one other one one benefit I had is that so I didn't mean I understand too is that we didn't have to rhyme this thing, but that was fine. I didn't expect this to, but um that would have been, added a whole other layer of complexity and face slapping that forehead mm-hmm. slapping. My, yeah, my I don't exercise.
1: know if rhyming would work in this case I think that if no. we tried to rhyme it Seeing as how one of them ends with you are or I am I think that yeah. it would have been really right. difficult And actually taken away from the power of the imagery you were trying to create I mean the whole, right. the whole purpose of this Is to help you come up with some really strong And powerful emotional things to to pack those four lines with or however many lines you do and it is really you are right it's a really good exercise to keep in the back of your mind when you're writing about something because we all will sit there we find our place ourselves in a place where we're writing and we get stuck it's like you know oh what's another word for ocean i don't want to say ocean seven times in the same poem what right. can i use to describe it you know cut the word ocean out altogether Mm -hmm. And use one of your descriptive phrases Like, you know, for example um, Where's my piece of paper Um, Let me flip through here real quick and find it The line where, you know If you're trying to talk about the ocean Right, instead of saying Mm -hmm. the ocean You can say, like in the line that I wrote The quiet water's just past the breakers If you say that line You obviously know I'm talking about the ocean so when I started that poem, I am—I don't have to tell you where I am. I don't have to tell you, you know, what my environment. I am the quiet waters just past the breakers. You automatically know I'm on the beach. You automatically know where I'm talking about. So in doing this exercise, if you're saying, "Okay, I need a, a way to describe the ocean," you can quickly walk yourself through those eight steps and come up with more imagery than you could use and. Like I said, the stuff that floats on the top, you'll get that out of the way and out of your head. And when you start reaching deeper and reaching deeper into the water, it's at the bottom of those memory banks you're going to find those gems. And so it's a way for you to get past the surface crap and get down to the stuff, the good stuff at the bottom to get to that real strong, emotion-packed imagery. And that's how you do that. You push yourself down to those depths. You force yourself to go there. Um, and I think that it's a really good thing to keep in the back of your mind, a really good paintbrush to have in the jar, you know, when you're trying to create those scenes, when you're trying to make them real, uh, make them palpable in your writing.
13: I wanted to add to that. Um, I think of great value to me was that in those steps you gave us at the beginning, uh, what is the place and so forth, among them were these ideas of not just saying, all right, describe what you see, but also, what you smell. Are you alone? Close your eyes. What does it feel like? Uh, what's your emotion? Uh, what's your involvement, or what? Are, I don't know if that was one of them. But emotional involvement. What? Those those tips would would help anybody writing a form too, because if you go through once, like you know, I would suspect that most of my forms and most many people forms are one or two, one or two times through the images and then hit send. You know. Where, where um, this would allow you to do uh, pre-editing before you ever get sand in Mm-hmm.
1: And when I tell you, when I, you know, when I say close your eyes and imagine yourself there, when you close your eyes and you're picturing it, you see, you see the the scene differently. Like when I said close your eyes and tell me what you smell. All right. Great. So when I do that and I thought about the ocean, I immediately thought about the smell of salt, you know, the smell of salt on my skin, Um, you know, but my eyes are closed. So, you know, immediately I'm thinking about the ocean wind, you know, blowing sand and Mm -hmm. blowing salt against me and the sting of the sand and the airbrush and how the the sand, when it it, uh, blows against you, it feels like needles, you know. Um, on your skin and the sand. And so when I came up with that line, you know, the smell of uh, the scent of sand airbrushed skin, you know, that that whole closing my eyes and using all of those senses is what was able to construct a sentence like that instead of just concentrating on the smell of salt. Where's the smell of salt coming from? What am I smelling it on? How did it get there? You know, those are all natural questions your brain your brain is going to create when you put yourself in that situation of closing your eyes and imagining it real.
13: Yeah, that's it. It does a lot for the imagery. It does.
1: So, what you guys have left over, what do you think you're going to do with it?
13: I we form it out here for show next Thursday. We catch <laughs>
1: <laughs> All 82 <laughs> lines, Nyla I'm going to read every single line I wrote to you next Thursday <laughs> <laughs> I'm, going to,
13: I'm, going to, I'm going to make it a list poem And start each sign with the same two or three letters, words Uh-oh. Well, I wouldn't Seriously, I'm go to, ahead Well, I was just going to say uh, I've I gleaned uh, you know uh, some stuff that I can use, and want, that I want to use. Uh, uh, I have already written poems about this same spot in my life, and um, in fact, read a few of them on the um, cafe. But I, I you know, I, I'm going to. I want to. I want to I wanna do a little bit more about that part of my life, and I want to do it better than I've done it. And this will really
1: help me. That's cool That's really cool I'm I'm glad You know And any time that you sit to write When you sit down to write something You know You can use this formula But not just when you sit down to write something Think about all the times you guys That we sit down And It's like I should write something I don't know what to write I don't know what to write right mm-hmm. now But I, I'm in the mood to write I just don't know what to write Oh my god I have writer's block No you don't Knock it off Alright You can <laughs> use this All right, you can use this exercise. It's so versatile and so easy. So, you know, we've done the I am, we've done the you are, and it wouldn't be me if I didn't push you even further than that. So, you can take this whole concept, you know, and you can go back to the beginning of the show. And write down each step. Write number 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. And write down what I have you write. And have that in the front of a notebook where you can flip through and see it once in a while. But say you're wanting to write a a political poem about the White House. You know, all right, what am I going to say? How am I going to do this? What am I going to, you know, I, I can't write under pressure. I can't just force a poem out of me. You don't have to force a poem out of you, but you can seduce it. All right? So... You can take any place. Um, you could take, you know, you can you can change the structure of this to anything, and you can write all of those things out, and write your four-line poem, and have that be an outline and a basis and the seed that you're going to create your regular poem from. Because now, when you sit down to create the poem you want to write, you've got all oh, this whole army of ideas and this whole arsenal of imagery in which to construct this poem over here that you want to, you know. So it's mm-hmm. kind of prep work for a great poem. And you write great poems by using surprising imagery, emotional imagery, strong imagery, concrete images, things that are that are that you can taste, you know, things mm-hmm. that you can feel. Um, but you can change it. You can change it to instead of I am, it can be we are or they are or humanity is. Okay, yeah. you can change the beginning Or you can change the The phrases in each of those sentences To anything that you want You know, dogs right. are Turtles are
13: <laughs> Aliens yeah. are You can change, change the tense So you could say they were Or
1: mm-hmm. I will Exactly Or Nyla is <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to hear those Well <laughs>
4: I've already started writing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh,
14: boy.
1: You know, if if you guys, uh, yeah, if you want to play with that, but kind of think about that, you know, how many times you've sat down to write something and lost interest because you just couldn't get the words right. You know, if you did a little prep work, if you did this exercise before writing a poem where you knew you were going to need that, how cool would that be to have all those little soldiers there waiting to just march on the paper when you need them. You know, do do okay. that prep work. That's why I say there's no such thing as writer's block. There's always something you can write. You know, there's always something that you can create. There's always something you can do to make your pen move. There is no such thing as writer's block because if you can hold a pen in your hand, you can write something. And that's as simple as that. That's all you have to do is write something, and you will continue to write. You will continue to create. You create that habit, a writer's habit of writing, and that's important. Yes. So anything else you guys want to share or add with this experience here?
13: I just... Go ahead. I like the idea of the exercise... Namely, because I'm usually pretty much a impulse writer. Something strikes my mind; I go straight to pen and paper. Whatever's there goes on the paper. There it is. You know, which is why I think that probably a, was one of the reasons a lot of my pieces are are, are kind of brevity. You know, there's not a lot of uh, collective you know, information in it. It's it's pretty much A B C one Two Three, there it is. Good night, you know. This with so much more input because you've developed more of this could make for much longer rights. Which mm-hmm. I think I'm going to probably put on you next Thursday. That will
1: be awesome. I'll threaten me with a good time, will you?
13: Oh, yes, I will. <laughs> well, he, forgot, he, forgot, he forgot to tell you that it's going to be eight, 18 minutes long, his poem. So, so anyway.
1: <laughs> I'm calling in three times in a row, all the same time. I get 15 minutes, yeah. damn it. So, let me ask you this real quick, and this is kind of putting you on the spot, but, but out of everything. That you have written all the examples. What's the favorite? What is your very favorite line, out of that you wrote out of all of the lines that you wrote tonight? What's the one that you think is the coolest?
13: I I I'll go I'll go first. Go ahead. Oh, I'll go first. Um, I think it was my last. Say one. your name because I know, uh,
1: but not everybody may recognize your voices.
13: Oh, it's, it's George, George Wiley, and I think it was um. I think it was my last line of the U R are uh, structure. Let me read it, or you just want to say it? Go ahead, that. read it. Read it again. Okay. I'm not sure it's the best, but it appealed to me as I read it. You are Venus, appearing after sunset, first and foremost in the western summer sky, pulling the canopy of later stars over you and bidding summer adieu.
1: Wow. That yes, is a great one. I love that line as well. I think I even commented that, you know, what a what an amazing closing image image that was. Alright, Easton.
13: Well, as strange as it seems I think the one that got me was in the UR. And it was that, kind of like that list, because it wasn't the you are this. It was the list and then the you are, which was the brush and bumps of people in lines. Rides, concession stands, roar of the roller coaster, gulls hovering, awaiting opportunity, you are.
1: Great
13: line. Uh, I, I really like the baseballs in there. Wow. I do
1: as well. But I mean, it's like I said, that whole piece was incredible. Just to all the imagery used in it because it was exciting. It was dirty. It was smelly. It was warm. It was welcoming. It was exciting. It was summer. It was bandaged or, knees and perspiration.
13: Or as Isla would say, it was messy.
1: It messy. was messy, and I'm a big fan of messy. Dirty.
13: I, uh, I can I can agree with that. So, <laughs> they, or I can identify with that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> awesome.
1: So I have something. I'm go, we're at the end of our workshop part, and I'm going to go over some stuff once I release you guys and and uh, all that. Mm. But I want to play before I say goodbye to you guys. I want to play something for you. Okay, Okay. and this is an audio track by my absolutely favorite contemporary poet of our time. His name is Billy Collins, incredible, incredible poet. Now, funny little story. He came to Salem to do a talk, and when I found out, you'd have thought that Bon Jovi was coming or Billy Idol or, you know, freaking Elvis when my mom was a kid you know, was coming to town. I lost my freaking mind. Oh, my God, Billy Collins is going to be here, right? Mm -hmm. So he was going to be speaking at the college at 5 o'clock. I was camped out at the doorstep of the auditorium at noon, and I sat there to make sure that I got front row to see Billy Collins talk and read us do the spoken word stuff. Mm
7: -hmm.
1: So – they open the doors at 5 and I walk in and 5:30 the front row is still completely empty you know <laughs> It's like, but it didn't matter to me because I was front row center. But it, and part of me was just so disenchanted. It's like, what's wrong with these idiots? Why aren't they here in line with me? You know, I'm, I'm I basically have a tent and my camp stove and bunches of bottled yeah. water. You know, and my face is painted and I'm holding up a banner. <laughs> okay, really not that bad, but you get the idea.
13: Groupy, groupy group, stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I absolutely love his poetry. So now that I've sat here and had you guys had you guys write poems about you are and I am and this strong imagery, I think that closing this for you guys with this poem by Billy Collins is completely appropriate because I think you're gonna appreciate it a bunch more now. And it's called Litany. Alright. So I'm gonna play this for you real quick. Here we go. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. It would probably help if I turned it up. There we go. Yeah. For a TV, the world is thinking.
15: Here's a poem that um, I like to read, which is kind of another, it just connects with that one because it's uh, also stealing something from another poet. And a lot of this stuff goes on rather covertly that I'm not going to tell you about. But some of it, there are, there are different kinds of uh, thefts, and some of them are daylight, you know, daylight um, crimes, just you know, knocking over a jewelry store at noon. But another stuff is like a second-story guys. But this is very open. I, I take the two lines, first two lines of someone else's poem, and rewrite it for them, which is uh, this is this is done out of courtesy. Uh, when you see a poem that doesn't seem to get, you know, that seems to fail, you can just rewrite it and 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 improve upon it that way. So, so this is a uh, I came across this love poem in a magazine, and it's a series of um, comparisons in which uh, the poet um, relies on a very uh, ancient um, device in 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 Western love poetry. At least dating back to the Middle Ages, which is to compare the beloved to various things in the world, and therefore, by flattering her, so your eyes are like stars and whatnot, you um, you make headway. And um, the um, so uh, his poem really is a wheel-spinning exercise in these kinds of comparisons. About 40 lines of just the same stuff. You're like you know you're this and that. So he begins by saying to the uh, beloved, um, he says, You are the bread and the knife, the crystal goblet and the wine. Litany. You are the bread and the knife, the crystal goblet and the wine. You are the dew on the morning grass and the burning wheel of the sun. You are the white apron of the baker and the marsh birds suddenly in flight. However, you are not the wind in the orchard, the plums on the counter, or the house of cards. And you are certainly not the pine-scented air. There is no way you are the pine-scented (laughs) air. It is possible that you are the fish under the bridge, maybe even the pigeon on the general's head but you are not even close to being the field of cornflowers at dusk. And a quick look in the mirror will show that you are neither the boots in the corner nor the boat asleep in its boathouse. It might interest you to know, speaking of the plentiful imagery of the world, that I am the sound of rain on the roof I also happen to be the shooting star, the evening paper blowing down an alley, and the basket of chestnuts on the kitchen table. I am also the moon in the trees and the blind woman's teacup. But don't worry, I am not the bread and the knife. You are still the bread and the knife. You will always be the bread and the knife. (laughs) <laughs> not to mention the crystal goblet and somehow the wine. Can you see
1: why I love him? Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> not that I, hysterical? I
0: that it's,
13: it's wonderful. I mean, he—he's uh, so funny, and he has a great. Great delivery voice I recently posted uh, In fact I didn't do it alone I actually Another poet posted it And I shared it On Facebook It was a Billy Collins thing Done right after uh, 9-11 The attacks on 9-11 What was that mm-hmm. title? Numbers or something or, uh, Anyway um, He lists He doesn't list all the people Who died But he In this brilliant poem And I'll send it to you Now Maybe I'll even read it He'll cover it in, in One of those but it's, I can't do it as well as he did, but his stuff is, he was Paul Laureate, um, you know, back when, a few, a few decades ago, and we actually knew what mm-hmm. who the Paul Laureate was in our country, but uh, I'm a fan.
1: Yeah, I absolutely love him, and then that piece just, every time I hear it, it just makes me laugh. I mean, you can oh. see why I sat there, I seriously did sit, there. I didn't have a banner, my face wasn't painted, but I really seriously did sit there at the... At the auditorium (laughs) Starting at noon To make sure I got Front row center To see him read And and talk And it was worth Every minute of it Even though I had The whole front row To myself
13: (laughs) That's okay Yeah
1: Yeah. Some people don't want To sit in the front row I'm definitely I want to be up close And personal I was excited all right, gentlemen, you did a fantastic job tonight, and I just want to really applaud you for being such troopers. I mean, this has really kind of put you on the spot. You didn't know what to expect, and you guys just absolutely both hit home runs. I appreciate you so much putting this together for everybody with me, and I hope that they have as much fun listening to this workshop as I think that we did putting it on. And um, I'm hoping that it's okay for me to call on you in the future. And yes. And oh, uh, do some cost. more of these.
13: There'll be a, but there'll be a cost. <laughs> uh
0: oh. Should I be scared? Wait,
13: this first, this first one was great. <laughs> no, <just kidding. laughs> yeah.
1: But you, were, you are not the pine scented <laughs> air. There is no way, Nyla, that you yeah. are the pine scented <laughs> 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 air. <laughs> but you are somehow the wine. <laughs> yes,
13: you are the wine. <laughs> That's a wonderful poem.
1: <laughs> oh, all right, guys. Go ahead and let everybody know how they can find you, get to know you and your work, uh, before you're back here next week for our open mic.
13: Yeah. No, nope. okay, it's quiet, so I'll start. Uh, George Wiley. Um, I have a, a, part of my Facebook is a, uh, is a page called George Wiley Writes. Uh, it's relatively new. I have a few poems on allpoetry.com. And um, I. That's about it.
9: Awesome. All right, Stan?
13: Okay. Stan Phillips. Uh, I'm on Facebook as Stanley Phillips. Uh, I'm with the group Friends of Words, Wisdom, Wonder, and Wit, uh, the anthology group,